going to care no matter what you do. And that's evident by the fact that you have anybody, anybody in this country voting for Hillary Clinton knowing full well that she's a criminal. That's the thing that I can't get past. And, and does it matter who you vote for? Yeah, we can have that debate. Uh, you're never going to change anything by voting, that's for sure. If, if, as somebody once said, if you were able to change anything by voting, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But if, if we can be thankful for one thing, it's this whole process, this whole election should be over in a few days. But I'm... I don't know what to think about the, these a second investigation, ladies and gentlemen. I don't expect it to go anywhere. Uh, Tyler Durden at Zero Hedge. Now that thanks to the first Wall Street Journal and then Fox News, the public is aware that a probe into the Clinton Foundation is not only a hot topic for both the FBI and the Department of Justice and has managed to split the law enforcement organizations along ideological party lines, but is also actively ongoing despite the Department of Justice's attempts to squash it. Now, I, I think we now know, ladies and gentlemen, we now know why Comey reopened the investigation. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I think James Corbett has it figured out here. And so I got some audio here that I'll play you here in a second. And the latest update, they say, from Fox, Fox's Brett Beyer, uh, we learned that the Clinton Foundation investigation is now taking a, quote, very high priority, unquote, perhaps courtesy of new documents revealed by WikiLeaks, which expressed not only a collusive element between Tenio, the Clinton Foundation, and the Charitable Foundation's donors, which included the use of funds for personal gain, but also revealed deep reservations by people within the foundation about ongoing conflicts of interest. Yeah, it, not only uh, just not just anybody concerned within the foundation. If you read some of the WikiLeaks emails, believe it or not, Chelsea Clinton was trying to root out corruption at the foundation. It kind of surprises me. Because I had just assumed that Chelsea was just as corrupt as her parents. But apparently they haven't managed to corrupt her to that degree yet. Give it a few years. But at least at the time, she was trying to actually root out corruption. And, 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 and that was drawing the ire of people like Doug Band. Ah, she's screwing everything up. So... It's kind of interesting to see how your opinions of certain people change when you learn more about it. But uh, they say Fox, Fox adds that even, more, even before the WikiLeaks dumps of alleged emails linked to the Clinton campaign, FBI agents had collected a great deal of evidence, and FBI agents have interviewed and re-interviewed multiple people regarding the case. Quote, there is an avalanche of new information coming in every day, one source told Fox News. Adding some of the information is coming from the WikiLeaks documents and new emails. FBI agents are, quote, actively and aggressively pursuing the case and will be going back and interviewing the same people again, some for the third time, Bowers' sources said. Agents 
also are going through what Clinton and top aides have said in previous interviews, as well as the FBI 302 documents, which agents use to report interviews they conduct to make sure notes line up according to sources. As expected, the Clinton Foundation denied everything, and Foundation spokesman Craig Manason told Fox News in a statement, quote, we're not aware of any investigation into the foundation by the Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, or any United States Attorney's Office, and we have not received a subpoena from any of those agencies, unquote. Uh, it goes on from there, and uh, I will think I will leave that there in the, in the interest of time. Now, there's some other things that, come, that came out just a few days ago. Uh, this one just two days ago from uh, Liberty Blitzkrieg, Michael Krieger, or Krieger. Uh, while you were watching the world, while you were watching the World Series, some very big news broke. Here's a summary of what he. Uh, now I wasn't watching the World Series. I couldn't care less about sports. It's bad enough politics is like sports. Uh, with people rooting on their team mindlessly. But uh, he lists some things that people need to be paying attention to. Number one, the Clinton Foundation investigation is far more expansive than anybody has reported so far and has been going on for more than a year. Number two, the laptops of Clinton aide Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson have not been destroyed, and agents are currently combing through them. The investigation has interviewed several people twice, and plans to interview some more a third time, and we just shared that from Zero Hedge. Number three, agents have found emails believed to have originated on Hillary Clinton's secret server on Anthony Weiner's laptop. They say the emails are not duplicates and could potentially be classified in nature. Uh, why did Anthony Weiner have any of this information, ladies and gentlemen? Or... As I was talking to John in Tennessee, I don't know, was it yesterday? Might have been a couple of days ago. Um, was this a shared computer? Was it Uma Abedin that put this stuff in a folder called life insurance on Anthony Weiner's computer? Were they sharing that computer? Did she have access to it? You know, they were married. So, I don't know. Something to think about. Uh, I remember saying on this program, in fact, I, I wanted to go back through and and uh, find the actual archive. I made a reference to, if I was Uma, I would be very worried. And this was before any of this started breaking up. Because I just know how the Clintons are. I know how they stab each other in the back. They, the other side eats their own, and we see example after example after example of it. Good example, perfect example right now is how they're attacking the FBI director. Not that I have any feeling for him or anything, because I think he's a colossal scumbag. The only reason he reopened the investigation is because he had an, a conflict of interest at the FBI. He wouldn't have opened that investigation unless he had to open the investigation. So now, after praising him, hey, he's so wonderful, he's so great, oh, call me, he's such an unbiased cop, all of a sudden, 
Oh, that scumbag Comey's trying to fix the election. This is how they eat their own, ladies and gentlemen. They don't care. They will turn on each other, stab each other in the back, because they have no loyalty. Anyway, number four, sources within the FBI have told him that an indictment is likely in the case of pay-for-play at the Clinton Foundation, barring some obstruction in some way, and there's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, from the Justice Department, barring some... Do you think for a second, as long as Loretta Lynch is there, that the Clintons are going anywhere? Don't kid yourself. Loretta Lynch has already fixed one investigation, already ordered the FBI agents to stand down. Do you really think that that any of this is going to go anywhere with Loretta Lynch at the helm? Number five, FBI sources say with 90... Now, I'll tell you what will happen. More than likely, there will be arrests. It just won't be the Clintons. Somebody's probably will go to jail. There will be a grand jury. It just won't be the Clintons on trial. That's how they operate. They'll throw their people under the bus quicker than you can say throw under the bus. That's why if I was Uma Abedin, I would be very worried right now. Number five, the FBI sources say with 99% accuracy that Hillary Clinton's server has been hacked by at least five foreign intelligence agencies and that information had been taken from it. So, state secrets. There's already too many state secrets in the first place. But do we want them in the hands of foreign powers? Foreign governments. Now, there's a lot of other weird stuff going on. And I'm not sure what to make of it, but I'll share it with you and let you decide yourself. Eric Prince, you know, Blackwater fame, a a colossal dirtbag, in my opinion. Anybody that would run a company that would be having hired killers on their staff, I mean, the whole company is, it's it's killers for hire. We don't have any principle. We're not even going to operate under the pretense that, We're doing it to be patriotic or serve our country or blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Just give us a paycheck and we'll go kill whoever you want. Okay? It takes a real scumbag to operate a company like that. But that's Eric Prince. Now, with that as background, now he's coming out and saying that the NYPD is ready to make arrests in Anthony Weiner's case. Uh, This comes from Breitbart. So... Take it with a grain of salt. But Blackwater founder and former Navy SEAL Eric Prince told Breitbart News Daily on Sirius XM that according to one of his well-paid sources in the New York Police Department, the NYPD wanted to do a press conference announcing the warrants and the additional arrests they were making in the Anthony Weiner investigation, but received huge pushback from the Justice Department. Uh, Prince began saying, He had no problem believing reports that the FBI was highly confident multiple foreign agencies hacked Hillary Clinton's private email server. 
Quote, I mean, it's like it's not like the foreign intelligence agencies leave a thank you note after they've hacked and stolen your data, unquote, Prince said to Sirius XM's host, Alex Marlowe. Prince claimed he had insider knowledge of the investigation that could help explain why FBI Director James Coney had to announce he was reopening the investigation into Clinton's email server last week. Uh, he says, because of Wienergate and the sexting scandal, the NYPD started investigating it. Through a subpoena, through a warrant, they searched his laptop, and sure enough, found those 650,000 emails. They found way more stuff than just more information pertaining to the inappropriate sexting the guy was doing. Uh, they found State Department emails. They found a lot of other really damning crimi criminal information, including money laundering, including the fact that Hillary went to his to this sex island with convicted pedophile Jerry Epstein. Bill Clinton went there more. You know, none of that matters because they're not going to be prosecuted for that. And that's the dirty little secret among many of these rich elites is they like little children. Anyway, so whatever that means, uh, we also see from True Pundit, Comey mandates all FBI agents, and, 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 and can we rely upon this True Pundit? I don't know anything about this website. They're claiming Comey mandates all FBI agents report to D.C. offices and prep for raids, possible arrests, in Clinton probes. Uh, I will put that in the uh, show notes, and you can judge for yourself whether or not you, you buy that. I don't doubt that there's going to be arrests. I don't doubt that somebody will probably go to jail. They'll find a paper pusher, an office worker, somebody to blame, It'll all be swept under the rug, and Bill and Hillary will skate. Will she win the election? Well, who knows? I certainly haven't seen a big change to the electoral map. I've seen um, there has been a change to it, but it hasn't been a big change. It's still very much, I mean, you know, Michigan now is in, uh, a, is considered a toss-up state now. There's another, you know, there's there's a chance Trump could win. There's a bigger chance Hillary could win, but either it could go either way. But at this point in time, how much does any of it matter when our country is massively in debt, listeners? How much does it really matter... I mean, it matters for the guns, I suppose. If Trump doesn't appoint Supreme Court justices that are going to reinterpret or rewrite the Constitution from the bench, it would matter in that regard. But how much is it going to matter ultimately when, when, our, when our nation is controlled by, by the big banks? When our nation has a stranglehold on it from the Federal Reserve? Ultimately, this is the problem that we have. And will anybody ever do anything about that? Uh, I'll tell you what. Anybody that wants to call in, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines early today. I see we have a caller on the line already. 
uh, 1-844-646-8376. That's 1-844-6-GOVERN. Uh, 1-844-646-8376 if you'd like to call in. Uh, there's just a lot of things going on here. And we'll cover them as we get time, And but I want to hear from you as well. Uh, hello, caller. Who do we have here? Oops, wrong button. Sorry. Uh, this is Kent. Uh, Kent. Uh, Kent from West Virginia. How you doing, Kent? Is it Kent or Ken? Very good. Kent. K E N T. Okay. I just want to make and, sure I get uh, that down. I've got sort of a different, different twist on this. I I think, um, you know, the left, the FBI is nothing if not loyal. You know, these are, you know, these are men and women who, you know, loyalty is their creed, and, you know, we, the Obama administration supposedly has jailed more whistleblowers than any all previous administrations. Of course, we, you know, back in the Watergate, they had the deep throat, which was, you know, a lone whistleblower. I think all this is orchestrated. And uh, we had the situation where Trump was claiming that, you know, the election's rigged, the election's rigged. Now, all of a sudden, we have a situation where I'm of the opinion that they have secret polls that know that Trump was going to, is going to win the election. And that they're setting the stage for some sort of fight after the election. They've they've set, they've established this position where um, Comey has made this come out and made an announcement. And now there's a challenge that's been put forward by some lawyers that are working, you know, are aligned with the Clintons, but are Bush loyalists. Mm-hmm. You know, putting on record a challenge that they have, you know, they violated this Hatch Act. Which keeps the, you know prevents the federal government people in the government from engaging in politics and interfering with the election. Mm. So they have they have established the groundwork. If she loses, they have established the groundwork for um, I don't know what it would be. I, I can't envision what. But these these people you know they have I'm thinking they've figured it all out some kind of legal legal challenge to invalidate the election or have a re-election. You know that's I mean, actually I, that sounds very plausible to me. A re, kind of a repeat of a of the 2000 fiasco, only something perhaps more yeah. prolonged. Yeah, I could yeah. totally yeah. see see them pulling something like that, and you might be right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, I think, um, of course, we knew that in 2000 they had something planned for the following year, and I have the opinion they have something planned for for next year, and they and um, Trump's in the way. He's in the way big time. He is really uh, he's in, he's in their way, and I think I think you know you know the, the FBI just doesn't do. I mean these people are loyal, but generally speaking, if they're you know they're loyal, no matter what you think about them, and and they they tend to skew conservative, and and so um, and they just don't do this. I just don't believe that the FBI is all of a sudden leaking like a sieve. I just absolutely don't believe that. I don't believe you know. I mean, you know, those people are loyal, and, uh, you know, they're on but, but to whom are they loyal? To whom well, are they loyal? they're loyal to the organization, and, uh, you know, it, and they, you know, they have their beliefs, you know, their beliefs don't correspond with our beliefs, but, so, I just don't believe that they're, I don't believe there's a revolution in the FBI. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I never bought that. No, and I think, I never bought the fact that uh, that Comey was a neutral cop. You know, he's an unbiased cop just trying to do the right thing. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is oh, laughable to me. Yeah, the groundwork is laid for uh, a challenge. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all in the law. There's a Hatch Act, you know. Yep. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's two guys that were, one was a, uh, one was for Daddy Bush and one was for W. And I saw them on television, and you know they were going to they they filed they filed a complaints and you know put in motion um, all the paperwork so that if it goes, I'm thinking they know the the polls are going they're against them and and they you know they're going to challenge the election in some fashion. I don't know how it'll play out, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it'll play out in the courts, and it'll probably yeah. you know. And, the courts will decide the election. And the, yeah, that's what. That's what. That, yeah, probably. Yeah. Which means we may not know. Or, uh, we may not know by next week. Next week we might be talking yeah. about this again. Imagine that. I'm afraid so. I. I, 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 I just don't think they're going to let Trump. You know, it's not going to happen. You know. Well, if he, if he really is who he purports himself to be, and and see the problem I have with all of this. And here I go back. I look at who's who's backing Trump, and it's people like Rudolph Giuliani, you know, who was a colossal scumbag himself. You know, and uh, it, you know, I was laying, uh, trying to sleep last night, you know, get a nap before the show, and uh, this this whole thing is playing on my mind, and I'm thinking about Rudolph Giuliani backing Donald Trump. And I'm thinking, you know, we're kind of judged by the company we keep, and that is not good company. The fact that a snake like Giuliani could support Donald Trump doesn't speak well for Donald Trump. And then, but then you got the, uh, you got Newt Gingrich too. Gingrich isn't a good guy, but he's backing Trump also. So you've got the George Bush Republicans who are. I guess all voting for Hillary Clinton, according to what I've been reading, you know, which ought to t- tell you what much of your, you know, two-party, one-party system is all about. But then you got, uh, you know, breakaways and people like Giuliani and Newt Gingrich, who are complete dishonorable guys, and uh, and they're backing they're backing Trump, you know, and as well as certain people in the intelligence agencies who have come out and taken credit for certain things, and uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to play some audio here in a moment from one of them to kind of debunk a little bit of what he's play- he he's talking about. Because, uh, I don't know, there's just, you know, do you ever feel like you're living in a dream? I mean, I, I feel like I'm getting sore here from pinching myself so much, trying to wake myself up from this surreal non-reality that we're living in today. It's unbelievable. It's like a yeah. movie. It's like a 3D movie that we're all living in right now. Yeah, this, this the orchestration of this and the, the bombardment is just overwhelming. And I can't get over... I know I, I still have to go back to your saying about the Bushes backing the Clintons. And, uh, um, you know, Bush stood up there. We, we just can't forget... Daddy Bush is a very, very important fellow. I mean, there's a building down in McLean, Virginia, hidden away down in there. It's got his name on it. <laughs> and uh, it begins uh, CIA. It's got his name on it. He's a very important fellow. And Trump stood up there and insulted his son right on television. And, you know, and they, uh, you know I'm sure Daddy Bush, does, you know, he doesn't like that, you know. And, 
He's got friends and, you know, the whole Did family. Did he get his widow feelings hurt? Well, I mean, you know, he's, <laughs> a, he's, at, the, he's at the top, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, he thinks he is anyway. Hey, so he can't. Hold, hold on I, just a second. I got to take this break. I'll hold you over, okay? Let you finish your thoughts on the other side. Uh, folks, you're welcome to call in. The number is one eight four four six four six eight three seven six. That's one eight four four six govern. And we'll be back in a moment. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom 
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. This is Governor America. I'm Darren Weeks as we continue on here on this 5th of November 2016, the final show before the so-called election. By the way, the website is governamerica.com. That's governamerica.com. Lots of information always updated there on the website at Govern America, especially on the right-hand side of the main page where we have a lot of different feeds that uh, just constantly update. And I've added more uh, as time progresses. As a matter of fact, I added Borderland Beat to the number of different uh, things that we carry over there because I think that uh, site is doing a very good job at covering the violence along the U.S.-Mexican border, which people need to be more aware of, is going on. If we have time later on, uh, I'll get to some of that here on the broadcast. But in the meantime, I've got a couple of calls on the line here. Uh, and you're welcome to jump on board as well. We have a few open lines at 1-844-646-8376. That's 1-844-6-GOVERN. And Kent is in West Virginia. And Kent, uh, did you have a, anything else? I wanted to give you a chance to finish your thoughts there. Yeah, well, I just want to, you know, I just think there's, a, you know, the whole apparatus of the whole hidden apparatus in this country is and for in movement against Trump and, uh, you know, when uh, Chip stood up there and, and said to him, you know, you're not going to insult your way into the White House. Well, you know, Jeb has, you know, he's a very influential fellow. And when, you know, they had the convention and all these Republicans, Romney and McCain, they all stayed away. But uh, Daddy Bush showed up and uh, he made some sort of gesture there, which, you know, you know that was a signal to put the, the team, team Bushes. Team Bush is in, in operation, I think, to uh, make to get Hillary in there and make sure Trump doesn't get in there, just for the, the old family honor, I think. So that's why I look at it, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how the whole thing plays out. Uh, I just wish, I wish we had an honest process. But, of course, I don't think we've had an honest process in, in at least my whole lifetime. Uh, but I've never seen it this bad before. Uh, I, I think no, it's just totally awful. It, it, this is what a dying republic looks like, by the way. I mean, it, wow. you have a bunch of rich people fighting each other for control. That's exactly what it looks like to me. Hey, Kent, thank you for calling there, friend. Okay. I'll talk to you later. And let's go ahead and switch over here to the next caller. And hello, caller. Who do we have here? And 
in Kentucky. Hi, Darren. Great job as always. Hey, Dan. Thanks for holding on. And yeah, and uh, happy V for Vendetta Day. Oh yeah. Uh, that guy Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of church. I'm just talking to my cousins, and it's in a lot of the church newspapers or whatever. A lot of churches are having vigils on Monday night to pray for this country and pray for people. That well, I think it's long overdue, thing. don't you? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We need all the prayer we can you get. Know, uh, Especially with... Say, hey, did you hear... Uh, hey, hey, Dan, did you Dan, did you hear about the uh, latest WikiLeaks revelations? <laughs> Apparently, Hillary... Uh, John Pad- that- Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say well, the ones where John Podesta... That, uh, John Podesta is being invited to a uh, some kind of a satanic ceremony. <laughs> is, is that Jeff Epstein's island? No. I've went there several times. No, I think it's uh, it's something different. It's a spirit cooking, spirit cooking. Uh, yeah, uh, Infowars did a write up on it, and you know you can say well. But it's all documented. I mean, they link to the original uh, email and everything on WikiLeaks. Um, but so, what I saw in the emails, it, uh, the emails also involve Obama and both Bushes and both Clintons now. So it goes all the way back to um, Reagan, and he's dead, you know. Yeah. But and and of course Bush was. H.W. was at the uh, Kennedy assassination. We all know that. So, mm-hmm. uh, And the Bushes and Clintons are friends. But I wanted to mention a couple things. First of all, in a very good book, I think I mentioned it before, The Controversy of Zion. Mm-hmm. It's by Douglas Reed. He's a South African. He was uh, uh, corresponded uh, during World War uh, II, and he was in, the, in Berlin in the 30s. And uh, England, and you know, in, fought in World War One. Uh, he talks about the destructive agenda uh, that is involved in Zionism and how they play both sides. Mm-hmm. And Adelson is a big backer of Trump, you know. And the people that are against Comey now are bringing up stuff how J. Edgar Hoover was blackmailed by Meyer Lansky, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, and Adelson is backing Trump and whatever, so there's there's an agenda on both of these sides. But, you know, I had a Russian professor in college. She worked with the Pentagon and um, uh, Oak Ridge, and he said the Russians in the 1950s invented computers that were ternary. Instead of binary 0 and, 0 and 1, they used 0, 1, and 2. And they never crashed, Aaron. Wow. If you set up, you know, like a surveyor or a, uh artillery sighter in the military, you always have to triangulate something, right, to get a sighting on something, don't you? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's in physics that you have to have three things. You know, you can't, a tripod chair will stand up. You know, even if it's uneven on top. Or, you know, if you're surveying or you're signing for artillery, you have to triangulate. So uh, there's two things people should think about when they hear things. What's the third view they're not telling you about? Because there always is at least a third view, and that's the alternate medium like you, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, uh, I think when it in the 60s, and you, they can find it the 45 goals of the communist 
revolution, and that was put in the congressional record. And every one of these things is being followed uh, by uh, Hillary, especially, you know, the nine-month abortions, the nuclear war, the uh, getting rid of uh, God in the schools. Yeah, even, even down to things like, uh, you know, art, promoting ugly art. You know, I mean, you look around and see some of this art that's being promoted and some of these uh, artists that are uh, in the music industry, for one thing. I mean, it, everything ugly is being lifted up and promoted. You know, I just found out why that is last week. Ann Barnhart, who was a commodity broker, and she closed her business back when they had the MF Global thing when Salente uh, lost all his money, and she said, you can't run an honest commodities business now. She has the YouTube out. Uh, look up Ann Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-R-T. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with her. I, I've uh, seen her in the past. Some of her videos. Yeah, she's very good. It's, it's on diabolical narcissism. It's two hours, 53 minutes. She explains that about the artist. Mm -hmm. She says there's alpha, there's alpha narcissists, and they're told by the Illuminati what to think and do. And then they have all these beta narcissists that follow and whatever. She gave an example of um, uh, Yves Saint Laurent and... Um, Oh, some of these fashion people, I don't know who they are. But anyway, she said there was a documentary on Yves Saint Laurent, um, who is gay. His business partner is the alpha nar diabolical narcissist, and he was making all the fashion decisions. And here's this Yves Saint Laurent guy sucking up to him and said, is this him too high? Is it too low? Is the color right? What, 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 whatever, you know, trying to get uh, approbation from a narcissistic approbation from his controller and handler and gay lover, you know? Mm. I hate to use that word with love, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so all of these alpha narcissists are told by the Illuminati what to do, and the reason they have the ugly art is they don't have taste at all because the only emotions they have are hate, fear, envy, and, you know, anger. So they can't have any love or pleasure, so how they, it's impossible for them to have taste. So they ape what taste is, and then they gradually change it, and all their go-along people, like this Laurent guy, um, they they tell people what fashion is, and they don't have any basis for it except they're following orders, and they don't even have any taste, so they don't know what taste is. So they're 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 rigid, like like dogmatic communists. So they're telling people this is art, this is beautiful, this is whatever. In fact, it's ugly, and because they're diabolical, and this is a battle for souls, they have no reason. And good people go along with it because they don't think like that. Well, good I think there's a certain Especially the young people. Unfortunately, the young people, in many respects, lead society. Uh, the young people have, in fact, this is why I think Agenda 21 devotes a whole chapter to children and youth in sustainable development, is because they're trying to capitalize upon the energy of young people. And uh, and if they can get a generation of, of young people, they've got the next generation. But society, for some reason, the culture is shaped by the youth. And so these communist movements develop and capitalize upon the youth and try to get them won over. And anything new uh, can be promoted as, oh, this is cool. You're enlightened if you embrace this. And uh, so, so they go for it.
And it doesn't matter if it's gray. And they're and planning to start. Yeah, yeah, and they're planning to start uh, his, U.S. history after the Civil War. You forget the revolution and the Civil War and everything that came before. Forget the anti-Masonic party in 19, 1828, which could have straightened us all out. We've got rid of almost, almost all the Masons for a couple of years, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, they're, they're very good at leading the youth and telling them what to do, and the, they're, the youth are regimented and they don't even know. But people uh, can look up the 45 goals of communism. I think that really would open their eyes, don't you, Darren? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've covered it before on the show. Uh, and, you know, I know you have. I think most people, uh, most people are aware, uh, but, of course, for the new people is what we uh, try to cater the, the broadcast to. And uh, that's certainly, okay, if you go through those... About you, the uh, voting machine? Yeah. Okay, about the voting machines, people ought to go in groups when they vote and watch the machine. And if you see your vote getting switched, uh, don't get out of line. Uh, call the judge, make him come over. And Bev Harris did an expose showing how the gemstone can can change votes by fraction, like maybe one-seventh or one-thousandth or one-and-a-half per person. Mm-hmm. But those things can be changed, I think. Um I read that Alex uh, Jones had a uh, thing with Bev Harris uh, yesterday or Thursday about, um, you know, she showed how the machines can work and how uh, the technology in there is to reverse that gemstone technology because Soros has those machines in 16 of the swing states. Yeah, there you go. So the fix could very well uh, be in. People need to watch that. Yeah. We still vote with paper ballots here. So thank God, you know. Yeah, well, while it lasts. But I think Vicky was on something last week when she said that uh, a lot of this uh, election fraud, uh, they will push for a national voter registry. And 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 I heard another host, and I won't mention his name here, but uh, makes me question his motives. Uh, he came out the other day, and uh, pushed for national standards. We don't want national uh, standards for our voting no. polling places. No. This, elections are not no. supposed to be federalized. And that is exactly what it would take. No. I mean, if, if the federal government started coming out with some kind of national standards for voting. See, there's, a, there's the dialectic. There's the synthesis, I think, is where they want to take this thing. I think Vicky is right on the money on that. Well, that's what the communists do. All their, their, uh, they had national standards for their elections, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, there you uh, go. Yeah, we, we, she's absolutely right about that. But uh, people watch the voting machines. And, but, you know, that thing about the agenda, all people really need to do is ask if X that's happening right now is to build the country up or tear the country down. And wherever the idea is coming from, and it's usually coming from a binary Hegelian yeah. standpoint, there's no third point of view, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, when it, wherever that's coming from, people know they ought to be against it. That's right. Well, listen, Dan, thank you very much for calling, and I appreciate your call. Uh, God bless you, Darren. God bless you, too, my friend. We'll talk later. All right. Take good care now. Bye-bye. 
There he is, Dan in Kentucky, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, had another call on the line, and they dropped. So if you want to call back, we'll take your call. 1-844-646-8376. Toll free, 1-844-6-GOVERN. Once again, 1-844-646-8376. A uh, lot of things going on here. Uh, we see uh, from uh, Russia Today, Assange says Clinton and ISIS funded by same money. Trump won't be allowed to win. Uh, now, before I get to that, I, I want to get into this. Uh, just, well, I'll tell you what, the caller's back. I'll go ahead and, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's a different call. That, okay, never mind. Uh, getting a little confused here. We, uh, just to give you an idea, just how, what a nation of wussies we've become, ladies and gentlemen. Now, of course, we have all these colleges now with their safe spaces and their uh, you know, triggering, you know, there's trigger words now you got to avoid and, uh, and everything's got to have a, a disclaimer on it, you know? So now we've got, we've got this same kind of mentality at our polling places. You know, we've got to have people there to protect us. We've got to have people to protect us. Uh, election protection, ladies and gentlemen, how did we possibly survive without all, the, all of this going on? Volunteer election monitors will be at area polling stations, and they're making sure that voters are not turned away by intimidation or misinformation. Fox News' Jeff Bernthal is live with what you can expect to see on Election Day. Jeff? And these monitors are not taking sides. They're nonpartisan, and you will not see them inside the polling station, but they will be outside, and they'll be there to help voters, and they should be pretty easy to spot. Some of them will have a green vest. Others will wear a black button. Election Day monitors from the nonpartisan group Election Protection will be wearing easy-to-identify markings and plan on being at polling places in several cities, including St. Louis. This has been um, a particularly tense election cycle filled with a lot of vitriol, a lot of talk of um, possible observers, possible intimidation at the polls. This is something we are concerned about and on the lookout for, and that's why we intend to have monitors at polling places to ensure that all voters are able to cast a ballot free of any undue barriers, free of any intimidation. The group received the delivery of flyers Thursday. They list top 10 things Missouri voters should know. Those flyers will be given to voters on Election Day. We are not there to advocate on behalf of any candidate, any political party, or any issue. Our sole purpose at Election Protection is to be there for the voter and help them navigate the voting process on Election Day. If voters have problems, they can call a hotline for help. We will have attorneys on call and poll monitors at the polls to answer voters' questions, to assist them in navigating the process, and help ensure that they can cast a ballot free of any undue barriers or intimidation. They can't possibly cast a ballot. They can't cast a ballot, ladies and gentlemen, without somebody to hold their hand at the polls. This is what it's come to. We've gone from being the can-do nation to being a bunch of little crybabies who can't even cast a ballot without somebody being there to make sure they're not picked on. Can you believe this? Unbelievable what this nation has come to. In the meantime, we have, you know, uh, Dan brought up the uh, voting machines. Uh, 
you know, here here we have more voting irregular, irregularities, St. Clair County, Illinois. And early voting is in full swing in Illinois, and two voting machines have already been shut down in St. Clair County after reports of irregularities with the machines. Fox 2's Andy Banker spoke with a man who explains his vote was repeatedly switched. And I voted for uh, my uh, U.S. representative, Boast, and uh, it changed my vote to Barra Civic, the Democrat. And as I voted on, I went down to Paul Schimpf, who is a state senator candidate, and I changed my vote to Sheila Simon. When he notified the staff and election judges, he says even they had trouble getting his votes corrected. Eventually, they were properly cast. The county clerk confirms about a dozen... Okay, how do you know they were eventually properly cast, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, really, I mean... Can you ever really be sure that they were properly cast? Problems reported out of more than 11,000 ballots, right. leading to the shutdown of two of about 60 voting machines. One machine locked up when it was continually tapped to try to change a vote, and we pulled that machine out of service. We had another machine that the gentleman just says, I don't care what you say, what you're telling me, this thing's wrong, it switched my ballot. We shut that machine down. And I'm afraid the election's going to be rigged. In spite of Donald Trump's rallying cry about a rigged election, no one involved suspects that's what's going on here. No, no, why? What reason would you ever have to suspect that? State's attorney confirms about a half dozen complaints to the voter integrity hotline that have merited further investigation. But he says they are signs of the system working, not a system that is rigged. No, of course. That's why I think people should have confidence in this system, because we are not going to let anything slide. And again, we take this very seriously. This is eating up the social media on the internet. Oh no, I like this much better than doing those punch things. You do. I love it much better. I, I don't see uh, anything that would amount to rigging. I see people interacting with a machine, just like sometimes you know on your iPhone, as you touch the screen and it freezes up a little bit. I don't call it voter fraud, I just call it uh an irregularity, yes. and uh, hopefully it'll never happen again. That's Andy very, Banker, Fox 2 News. Yeah, that's a very diplomatic way to put it. Oh, I don't call it voter fraud, even though I can see with my own eyes that my vote is being changed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is... God, do we have a bunch of mentally ill people in this country? Can you believe this? And folks, here's the thing. If this... Is happening in St. Clair County, Illinois. It's happening all over the country. The election is being fixed. Oh, but we're not going to call it voter fraud. No, it's just an irregularity. It's just something weird that happened. Oh, we don't want to go back to those punch ballots. We don't want to go back to paper ballots. Unbelievable. Folks, is this not the very definition of mental, mental illness? When you can see something with your own eyes and you're not willing to see it. You see it, but you don't see it. You don't get it. And this has been the problem with our country, well, my whole life. And going back before I was here. But I've been watching this thing for many years now. And people can see this problem staring them right in the face, and they can't acknowledge it. Yes, if, if this isn't voter fraud, what do you think is voter fraud? Uh, you know, what would it take for these people to see? That's <laughs> But they're typical Americans. It can't happen here. Oh, the election can't be fixed. No, my vote's been changed. I've seen my vote changed. But hey...
it, it's not fraud. Oh, it's just a glitch. It's a computer glitch. Very much like your iPhone freezing up. It happens. Unbelievable. Anyway, as I said, Julian Assange was uh, interviewed earlier by John Pilger. Uh, and uh, Russia Today covered that. And he had some interesting things to say about the Clinton. There's an early 2014 email from Hillary Clinton, so not so long after she left Secretary of State, to her campaign manager, John Podesta. Uh, that email, it states uh, that ISIL, ISIS, is uh, funded by Saudi Arabia and Qatar. The governments of Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Now, this is a. I actually, I think this is the most significant email in the whole collection. ISIL or ISIS uh, is created largely with money from the very people who are giving money to the Clinton Foundation. Yes, that's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Well, it's not really that extraordinary at all if you uh, if you've been following this for any length of time. It's part and parcel of, uh, of everything that's happened over the course of the last, what, three or four years we've seen going on? Yeah, state-funded terrorism, ladies and gentlemen, is being funded by our state. Now, there's a video that's been going around on Patriot Circles, and I'm almost up against the break here. So I may have to do this on the other side of the break. But uh, there, a number of people have been uh, circulating, and I've got this from several different places, several different people forwarding it to me, as evidently I'm on their email list. Uh, but uh, it's also being carried by Patriot websites, and I guess certain Patriot broadcasters are touting it as being a wonderful thing that Steve Pichinick, who is a former high-ranking uh, government insider and intelligence operative, Apparently, uh, he's come out now and claiming that he's engaging in a coup, a counter-coup, against the Clintons. And uh, I'm debating whether I should even get into this before the break. I think I'll wait until after the break. Problem is, I would be careful what you, what, what you believe about anybody who just happens to be a a former member of the State Department. Uh, in fact, I wrote an article about this. It's up on the website at governamerica.com. Meet Steve Pijnik, the CFR spook who wants to save the republic. I highly encourage you to go check that out. Because this guy... I don't know. He just kind of gives me the creeps. You know, I hope he's well-meaning, but I don't think he is. I really don't think so, listeners. Given the fact that his background, in fact, I'll, I'll share a little of his background with you on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Phone numbers, phone, call, phone lines are open, 1-844-646-8376. That's 1-844-646-8376. My email address is radio at governamerica.com. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. This is Govern America. Hour number two is straight ahead. Stay with us. 
banks have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Chicago just became the murder capital of America. I don't understand. It's been a felony to have a gun since 95. I thought that was supposed to prevent murders, not increase them. Criminals will always find a way to get guns, while the rest of us are just left defenseless. Chicago authorities have seized over 75,000 firearms since 1995. And now, Chicago's murder rate is twice as high as New York City. Tonight, while you're asleep, criminals will be at work. Not in Kennesaw, Georgia. In 1982, our city passed a law requiring every household to have a gun. It terrified the criminals, and our violent crime rate is now 75% below the national average. We sleep well here in Kennesaw. Americans who own guns prevent over a million violent crimes every year and save lives. Get the facts. Visit armedandsecure.org. That's armedandsecure.org. Documenting the crisis of our republic, waging war on the new world order. This is Govern America. Govern America. From just south of the Great Lakes capital city, covering all of North America via satellite, micro-FM stations all across the country, and streaming live from FEMA Region 5 and Michigan Planning Region 2. This is Govern America, hour number two. I'm Darren Weeks, as it continues to be the 5th of November, 2016, and greetings to all the folks in the chat room at chat.governamerica.com. There's a few people in there. You can join them if you want. That's chat.governamerica.com. And greetings to all the people listening to us uh, on ucy.tv, which is now carrying all three hours of the show. Thank you very much, Jules. And uh, greetings to all the folks listening to us on American Voice Radio Network uh, on satellite and uh, also on our streams and their streams and uh, the other streams that (laughs) we were streamed in a lot of places. Uh, So thank you for carrying the show. Thank you for doing what you do. And thanks to all the micro FM stations that carry us as well. Very important to reach people on the ground where they are in the cities, uh, you know, as they're driving around, doing their business. Might happen to flip through the uh, FM dial, and there we are. So, uh, so thanks very much for all the stuff that you do. All the outlets, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate your efforts to save our country, to educate the people. Because without, without that, uh, we don't have a prayer. Uh, you know, with that, it's uh, an uphill fight. But certainly, if people are unaware of, the, of what's going on, what's really going on, and it really isn't that hard, but you've got to know how to listen to the news. You can find out a lot from the news media if you just listen between the lines. 
you know, sometimes they do tell you, tell you what's, what's going on, but you've got to know how to listen. Anyway, before the break, and you're welcome to call in, by the way, 1-844-646-8376, toll-free, 1-844-6-GOVERN, uh, 844-646-8376. I was sharing with you a little bit about um, this uh, Steve Peachnik guy. He's come out with a video. In fact, he's come out with more than one video, but he's talking about there's been a coup. And the thing that, you know, I've been going back and forth with Vicki Davis on this by email because she picked right up on this, on the fact that he said on November 1st, Bill and Hillary Clinton enacted a coup. Now, I don't know what he's referring to that. You know, we've been trying to figure out exactly what it is he's referring to, the November 1st Clinton coup. But then he said in answer to that, him and his people, his peers, or however he puts it, uh, has uh, enacted a counter-coup. And... So I want to share with you a little bit about from this video here in just a second. I've uh, got a call on the line first. I'll go ahead and take this caller. Hello, caller. Who do we have here? Yeah, this is Sam calling. How are you, Darren? Oh, I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I wanted to comment on this Steve uh, Pete Snicker, however you pronounce his name. But, um, yeah, Alex has him on a lot. And when I saw the article, too, I was very suspicious, just like um, suspicious of a lot of these people coming out of the woodwork like uh, Trump bringing on, you know, Giuliani as part of his, you know, as potentially part of his team and looking to the same people. See, the problem is what I see is I see Trump looking to the same people that were part of the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost down to the point we're messed up no matter which way we go. We may be more, we may be slightly more messed up if we go the route of Hillary, but I think what we're going to get with Trump is because he's he's surrounding himself with the same advisors is a police state just like we would with Hillary. Um, yeah, and the wars. I think the wars are going to go forward. Uh, yeah, we might we might do a little better on the gun issue, uh, and we might you know I mean there 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 are some things I mean I can't sit here and say that there's no difference because of the rhetoric itself. If he does it, you know, just a small fraction of what he claims he's going to do, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I, I don't know that he would pursue certain draconian measures quite as diligently as she would. And so he, he's definitely the lesser of two evils candidate at this point in time. But is he a saint? Is he a guy that uh, we can all feel good about? I highly doubt it. I really don't think so. But, well, the one thing we're certain with this Steve Peacenick, uh, he he um, he used to work under Henry Kissinger, among others. In the, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me uh, let me go ahead and play the audio with you on the line go right since, since we're talking about it yeah. anyway. I, I did a little condensed version so that the uh, listeners could get. You know, if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can go go to the website. It's it's up there right now on their newest site editions at GovernAmerica.com. But. Uh, this is uh, this is kind of a little bit of what he put out. On November 1, 2016, Hillary and Bill Clinton and their entourage of assistants affected a civilian coup. This coup was done silently and very effectively through two methods, corruption and co-optation. The Clintons had been involved in co-opting our White House, our judiciary, our CIA, our Federal Bureau of Investigation 
Administration, our Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and our Director of the FBI, James Comey, for some time now. What they've done is to make sure that they were part and parcel of a group of people who were interrelated through political cronyism. However, in order to stop this coup, we in the intelligence community and others involved have informally gotten together and with their permission, I am beginning to announce that we've initiated a counter coup through Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. What has happened in effect when uh, Comey had to open up the case of Hillary Clinton and discuss the emails that were involved with the Anthony Weiner case, it was not the case itself that was as important as the fact that this was the entree for many of us in the counter coup to say to the administration, we have your number. Not only do we have your number, we're going to stop you from making Hillary the President of the United States. And at the same time, we will convict and indict the President of the United States, Loretta Lynch, and many others who were involved in the cover-up of the massive corruption that occurred under the Clinton Foundation. Now, in both cases, their coup was silent, and our counter-coup was silent, and it was all transgressed or occurred on the Internet. And this is probably the first time in the history of any country where a coup was initiated on through the Internet and a counter-coup was initiated through the Internet. I am just a small part of something far bigger than myself. It was the brave men and women who were in the FBI, the CIA, the Director of Intelligence, the uh, military intelligence, and men and women in the 15 other intelligence organizations who were sick and tired of seeing this corruption in the White House, in the Justice Department, and in the intelligence system. And we decided that there was something we had to do in order to save the Republic. So we initiated a counter-coup through Julian Assange, who's been very brave and, and really quite formidable in his, in his ability to come forth and provide all the necessary emails that we gave to him in order to undermine Hillary and Bill Clinton. Again, America, we're going through a major, major transition and, quite frankly, a second American revolution. We do not have guns. We do not have weapons. We do not have intend to kill anybody. We do not intend to harm anybody. But we, the American public, and those of us who serve as veterans and in the intelligence service, like myself, will stop the Clintons from assuming power that they don't deserve. At the same time, we will make certain that Obama leaves without any trail of a, uh, a pardon or any other act of treason. In effect, we want a peaceful transition in this great American republic. Okay, there it is. Uh, in, in, in a nutshell, uh, and as you pointed out, Sam, this guy, is a, he's a member, or was at one time anyway, uh, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, he, he's a psychiatrist who worked for intelligence, which to me reminds me of MKUltra, uh, you know, MK Naomi type of programming. Um, as you pointed out, he was a Deputy Assistant Secretary of State under Henry Kissinger, who was a member of the Globalist Council on Foreign Relations uh, and the Globalist Trilateral Commission, I believe. Um, 
He was also under Cyrus Vance, who is uh, was on the CFR Board of Directors. And James Baker, who is also a CFR member. <laughs> and this guy yeah. wants to save the Republic. Now, now, as I said, he's a, he, he was a psychiatrist. And by the way, he's also a psychological warfare expert. A psychological warfare expert. I'm going to let people have that sink in their head. Because we have intelligence yeah. agents... We have intelligence, this this guy who comes out of U.S. intelligence, the U.S. intelligence establishment, the globalist establishment. Now, I would love to believe he's sincere. But, as I say in my article, had it not been for the tireless and often secret, secretive work of Mr. Peachnik's close association to undermine and deconstruct it, the Republic wouldn't need saving today. And here's the problem. So, how do we reconcile this? Yeah, well, see, this is the oldest tri trick in the book when you want to take down a country is you put out loyal opposition. And I mean, it's just like to deal with uh, Gingrich, you know. I mean, uh, uh, with this deal that happened with Megyn Kelly. I mean, now, while Megyn Kelly was a pain in the rear end on that, on that broadcast, I have no great affection for Newt Gingrich either. I go back to uh, his Council on Foreign Relations as well. He, we go back to 1994 with the what turned out to be the contract on America, in which um, when the freshmen got in there, they were very quickly schooled on the fact of how the game was played, and they were not going to really make any change at all. And mm -hmm. it was Gingrich that was the head of that whole operation when that went down in 1994. So we have all these people, Darren, coming out of the woodwork that claim to be uh, the antidote to what we're experiencing now. And, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that these people have suddenly had to come to Jesus' moment, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem. We've got a former CFR member and a person very closely involved with the State Department, of all things. The State Department. And he is a patriot that wants to save our country? No, 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 no. That just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. But see, the problem is people... This goes back, really, to what I was saying before. We've talked a lot about hero worship. Why is it that the patriot movement, if I can call it that, is looking for leaders? Why can't we be our own leaders? Why can't we quit worrying about looking for heroes to save us? You know, I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm floored. You know, and I got an email from one of our listeners who says, you know, I just don't understand why everybody's falling for this. He says, everywhere I turn, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like it seems like people all over the place are falling for this guy. Well, I will tell you this. Now, I did post the article over there on our website, but a lot of times the reason I post this stuff, Darren, is to have Cannon Fodder to comment on when I do my own broadcast. Right. And, in fact, one of the things that I probably need to put up there is the uh, news articles here do not necessarily reflect the opinions of us, you know, here, you know, in my case, the information corner, you know, because a lot of times I will, I'll post something up there that I don't agree with, but I'll come back on it, and I'll use it as fodder on the show. So, uh, you, know, you know, I just want to make sure everybody understands that if you see some of these things, 
like, for example, if you frequent over where I post, it, it doesn't mean I agree with them. A lot of times what it is is I'll put it up there because when I see it, then I can come back through and use it as show notes to uh, to come back and, and comment on it. And it, it's interesting that you, you brought this thing up because I was going to go right down this road tomorrow evening when I did my own broadcast because the, the problem is, folks, there's not going to be anybody riding in on any white horse out of the blue that's going to save the whole country. It's going to have to be done county by county. It's going to have to be done city by city, state by state, so on and so forth. Now, you know, the one thing that I will say that certainly is the is the right direction, and our legislature here needs to be commended for it, Darren, and all this, you know, occasionally we do get a glimmer of good news for those who... Um, who think that we're all just doom and gloom out here, and that is that here in the state of Missouri, um, while you got the government trying to come after our guns, at least the state of Missouri uh, just recently passed a uh, law uh, that uh, allows uh, concealed carry without a permit. And, of course, naturally the gun control people are going you know, on like this is going to be the Wild West, and all I can say to you, Darren, I'm still here, and nobody's been firing guns in the street in my location. <laughs> you know, funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I, I, I was... Sometimes I go over to the Huffington Post just to just to have a good laugh, and uh, yeah, they have a, you know I noticed their front page looks an awful lot like the Drudge Report, by the way. Uh, so I, I look at the the Huffington Post as being the liberals' uh, Drudge Report, but but now they have a, yeah. a scary story uh, where a guy in a Trump shirt carried a gun outside of a Virginia polling place. Authorities say that's fine. Yeah. And they uh, they show the guy there, and uh, now they make it a point and say that uh, he was w- he was outside of the uh, what is it the forty foot uh, no canvassing zone, uh, and he was being nice to people quote 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 unquote being nice, but some uh, some woman says oh I felt intimidated and I guess she reported it and the authorities said well you know he's he's got a uh, he, uh, he's legal to carry you know he he's got an open carry you know and. Um, you know, they can he can do that, you know, and she's well so it's like, Oh gosh, you know, somebody's actually following the law. What are we gonna do? You know, they're exercising yeah, their right well, within the law. The brainwashing the brainwashing has worked very well. Oh guns are evil. All guns are evil. Don't you know yeah. guns are evil, Sam? Oh, I'm telling you, we got all these sniveling little soccer moms floating around in the cities particularly. You know, who just, uh, you know, get their panties in a wad, and I'm thinking, you know, come on, you know, I'd rather be in a, uh, I'd, I'd rather be amongst a bunch of people that are armed in a place, that, you know, where, um, Absolutely. you know, say somebody came through the door and started shooting in a business. I mean, I, I mean, out here where we live, you know, this is farm country out here. People have guns out here, and, uh, you know, if you just take the time to look, you'll find that, uh, that uh, all the places where the where the strictest gun laws are, Chicago, Detroit, various other places, D.C. itself, mm-hmm. that's where the lion's share of the murders are. Absolutely. We can keep going down the list, you know. Yeah, and those places where open carry and concealed carry have been legalized, uh, you know, gun anytime guns are prevalent amongst the general population, uh, the violence goes down. Over and over again, it's been proven. But never let reality get in the way of a good uh, propaganda campaign. That's got it. Well, that's all I had. I wanted to comment on that because uh, you were going right that road, and I told Tricia, I said, i got to call in on this show because <laughs> you and I are both on the same page on that one as well as Newt Gingrich as well. And we do have the Megyn Kelly thing. I'm going to run tomorrow night myself. But uh, 
Now, Megyn Kelly kind of beat up on Newt Gingrich, and uh, they kind of went at it. Towards yeah, the I'm end. not and a fan of Megyn Kelly. I think, you no, know. I, but people are taking Newt's side, though, see, and I, I'm yeah. saying. Well, that's, okay. that's the dialectic. In, that's the dialectic yeah. right there. The dialectic is designed to force you to take sides. You you, you take sides, yeah. and that way you're within the realm of their manipulation. You got it. That's exactly right. So, anyway, that's all I had, Darren, and uh, thanks a lot, and uh, I'll let you get on with that. I appreciate it. Yeah, and by the way, folks, his uh, website is The Information Corner, theinformationcorner.com. Uh, he does a show of his own on Sunday nights, and, in fact, we carry it here on our Govern America radio stream uh, every Sunday night at, uh, let's see, I'm thinking it's 1900, which would be uh, 6 o'clock Eastern, I believe. Uh, no, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. So uh, if you want to catch it, uh, we go 1900. I know most people don't do the military time thing, you know, 24 hour clock. But anyway, uh, so that, that's the information corner every Sunday night. And uh, I've got some good feedback from that show, by the way. I meant to tell you, Sam, uh, that uh, Steve O'Brien, who, uh, who uh, does his own show on RBN, uh, he, he, we talked the other day on the phone, and he was saying, who's that guy you run on Sunday night? He says, boy, he, he, I learned a lot from that show. He, he caught your last show, so um, he was very encouraged, and so I think he got a new listener out of the deal. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, but this is the, theinformationcorner.com. The archive is there, and uh, you can catch his show right here on uh, Govern America Radio. Uh, stream and um so there it is anyway moving along here uh let's see we, we were talking about steve peach nick uh, i wanted to come back to this fbi thing for just a minute because i told you at the beginning of the show uh we were uh, i believe now the reason why you know james corbett did a very good job there is a uh, Wall Street Journal article that came out just four days before uh, James Comey sent a letter, the letter to Congress, saying that he was going to do some more digging and reopen, essentially reopen the investigation. That is really essential to understand why, he, why Comey did this. Uh, so James Corbett uh, noticed this or somebody called it to his attention anyway he did a good expose on this i want to share this with you many theories have so far been floated about why the fbi director issued the letter just days before a national selection some of them including the idea that comey is struggling against an internal insurrection of agents disgruntled by his earlier decision to not prosecute clinton seem to have a basis in reality but what seemingly everyone has missed with regard to the letter is that it was issued just four days after another bombshell piece of information. On October 24th, just four days before Comey sent his letter to Congress, the Wall Street Journal reported that Clinton friend and Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe donated money to a senior FBI investigator's wife when she ran for office. Benign on the surface, the story involves a deeper connection to the Clinton email investigation itself. As the journal revealed, the political organization of Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe an influential Democrat with long-standing ties to Bill and Hillary Clinton, gave nearly $500,000 to the election campaign of the wife of an official at the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who later helped oversee the investigation into Mrs. Clinton's email use. This revelation, coupled with the fact that McAuliffe's donation evidently went unreported, 
exposed massive impropriety in the dealings of Clinton's political allies and the FBI's scuttled investigation of her emails. As Michelle Chosodowski of the Center for Research on Globalization notes, however, these twin bombshells are notable not for what they reveal about the corruption of the Clinton camp or the FBI, but what they reveal about the behind-the-scenes warfare that seems to be taking place between the powerful media and financial interests that are puppeteering the presidential selection itself. What is unfolding, in effect, is that a major media conglomerate uh, has triggered a crisis within the FBI where the number two man is, in fact, being bribed, and at the same time, he's responsible for the investigation of the Clinton emails scandal. And the timing was very carefully planned from the 24th to the 28th, the director of the, C- of the, of the FBI uh, responding to internal pressures, but also to save his own face, his integrity, decided to release a second letter. Now, one thing, reading from this Wall Street Journal report, and I'll put the, uh, put the link in the show notes for you to read the whole article, but uh, it, it was easy to miss this article because right after it came out is when all of this, you know, four days to be exact, is when all of this new uh, news cycle began with Comey reopening the investigation. So it, it, it's difficult. It would, it, it's real easy to, to miss the triggering, what was really the triggering event. But the Wall Street Journal says the political organization of Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe an influential Democrat with long-standing ties to Bill and Hillary Clinton gave nearly $500,000 to the election campaign of the wife of an official at the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who later helped oversee the investigation into Mrs. Clinton's email use. So there you have the conflict of interest. Comey put the same person over Clinton's email so-called investigation. Now, they say the campaign finance records show Mr. McAuliffe's political action committee donated $467,500 to the 2015 state Senate campaign of Dr. Jill McCabe, who is married to Andrew McCabe, now the deputy, deputy director, listeners, number two in command at the FBI. The Virginia Democratic Party, over which Mr. McAuliffe exerts considerable control, donated an additional $207,788 worth of support to Dr. McCabe's campaign in in the form of mailers, according to the records. That adds up to slightly more than $675,000 to her candidacy from entities either directly under Mr. McAuliffe's control or strongly influenced by him. Uh, The figure represents more than a third of all the campaign funds Dr. McCabe raised in the effort. So you talk about quid pro quos. Uh, You know, (laughs) so this got to be, you know, a huge, this is a huge conflict of interest. And so anyway, then the question you have to ask is, why would the Wall Street Journal want to help Donald Trump? Well, Michelle addresses this issue. The Wall Street Journal is um, owned by News Corp, which belongs to the Murdoch Family Trust, namely Rupert Murdoch. 
Okay, I'll, I'll, hold on a second. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take the bottom of the hour break. I'm up against the clock here. We'll go ahead and take the break, and then we'll come back, and we'll finish this part of it up and move on to other things. This is Govern America, the website, governamerica.com, the chat room, chat.governamerica.com. My, my email address is radio at governamerica.com. And the phone number is 1-844-646-8376, 1-844-6-GOVERN. Once again, 1-844-646-8376. And we'll take the bottom of the hour break, and we'll be back in a moment. Stay with us.
value the lives of unborn children, you're not alone. According to a recent CBS News survey, over two-thirds of those polled favor greater limits on abortion. Fewer than half said abortion should be permitted in cases other than rape, incest, and danger to the mother's life. Let's also not forget unborn children who cannot speak for themselves. Americans everywhere, especially the youth most affected by abortion's toll, are realizing that unborn children have the unalienable right to live and contribute to society. But knowledge is not enough. Only when we, the majority of Americans, stand up together for the most vulnerable among us will this tragic rejection of the unborn end. This has been a perspective on life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website at nrlc.org. That's nrlc.org. Well, Mr. Smith, it's clear that you are spending more money than you make. Right. So how do I maintain my lifestyle without going further into debt? You need to spend less than you make. No, 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 no. That's too hard. Don't you have like a miracle mutual fund or something? No, just spend less than you make. How about the lottery? Many of life's problems have straightforward solutions. Listen, Doc. I can't go on living this way. What can I do? Mr. Smith, bottom line, you're overweight. You need to eat less and exercise. Eat less? I can't eat less. Eating is my life. If you want to be healthy, you okay, need to... Okay, okay, I'll eat less. And exercise. What? Can't you just give me a pill? No. How about a shot? No. Liposuction! Anything but exercise! The way to have peace with God and a home in heaven is also straightforward. Admit we are sinful and turn to Jesus for forgiveness. Like many of life's answers, it's simple, but have you done it? Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. This is Governor America. I'm Darren Weeks. And we're moving along here at the beyond the halfway point of the program now. As uh, before the break, we were talking about this uh, situation at the FBI and the investigation that's going on there and why Comey reopened the investigation. And it seems apparent to me, I think James uh, Corbett has this all figured out now, uh, there was a, an apparent conflict of interest at the FBI with the number two in command. And uh, this uh, Governor McAuliffe, very close ties to uh, Hillary Clinton, his political organization uh, gave to uh, to the wife of this FBI agent, uh, this second-in-command. And so you had what appears to be another example of a quid pro quo. And so after the Wall Street Journal called this to the people's attention, uh, that that seems, you know, but the question is, why would the Wall Street Journal want to help Donald Trump? And so this goes back to what we were talking about in the first hour, about this war going on for control, the battling entities right there in the forefront, fighting it out for control of, of, of not only our nation, but really the world. Uh, once again, Michel uh, Chadodowski, I'm sure I mispronounced his name, and I apologize for that. Uh, 
He writes over at globalresearch.ca, which is an excellent website, by the way. Lots of good information over there at Global Research. But uh, anyway, he addresses this issue of why the Wall Street Journal would want to help Donald Trump. The Wall Street Journal is um, owned by News Corp, which belongs to the Murdoch Family Trust, namely Rupert Murdoch. We know that there's a relationship between Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump, and they've had meetings in the course of the last few months. What I think is, is important is that there are significant divisions within the media monopolies competing with one another. Uh, on the one hand, you have the Murdoch group, which is supporting Trump, and on the other hand, you have the Time Warner CNN group supporting Hillary. And, and those conflicts and divisions are characteristic of broader conflicts within the financial establishment. Um, I think that um, the elites are by no means monolithic. They are very profound divisions, and no doubt there are also profound divisions within the financial establishment with regard to Hillary's um, candidacy, which... Uh, which uh, could become totally dysfunctional. So that, in effect, uh, I think these things are, are happening, in a, in, a, in a sense, in a concurrent fashion. There are divisions within the armed forces. The Joint Chiefs of Staff are against Hillary. Uh, so that, again, what's occurring is really a, a conflict of interest within the upper echelons of the financial and corporate elites. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he arrives at the same conclusion that there's a lot of infighting going on, and it would make a lot of sense from just a common sense point of view that they've been able to get done a lot of the stuff that they've been able to get done by simply the fact that they're able to pay people to get it done. You know, anybody that's ever tried to organize anything with volunteers, you know how difficult it is to get people to cooperate. Uh, you've got personalities involved. You've got egos involved. You've got people who want to be chiefs and not enough Indians. All of that. Uh, and you just got people that are just lack of motivated. Unless you have some way of motivating them, it's very difficult to get them to cooperate. And sometimes, often, the whole thing falls apart because people, personalities are, get in the way. So why would we think that the other side would be any different? especially given the fact that they don't even have any, they, they don't have any morality at all on their side. It's all about the lust for power, the lust for greed. This is the kind of stuff that they're motivated by. So it just makes sense that there's going to be huge infighting. Now, as we look at the situation from a Homeland Security standpoint, uh, Joe Arpaio, the sheriff, is being fought with by George Soros. Soros is spending $2 million to unseat Arpaio. Uh, political reports, George Soros has contributed $2 million to a group working to defeat Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona, the latest target of Soros's big spending in local law enforcement campaigns over the past year. You talk about a guy who, in my opinion, should be locked up, if not more, and I'll leave it to you to, to think about what that more should be. But anybody who is a traitor to our country, the way this dirtbag is, 
organizing riots, uh, engineering violence against certain people and individuals and groups. There is a criminal investigation that needs to take place. Unfortunately, with the crime syndicate that we have in Washington, D.C. right now, can we look forward to any of this taking place? I would love to see a Trump presidency that would actually investigate George Soros. Would we see such a thing? I highly doubt it. But this uh, this dirtbag needs to be brought to justice. Uh, the Soros-funded PAC, Political Action Committee, Maricopa Strong, will file campaign finance documents Friday showing Soros' multi-million dollar investment against Arpaio, along with a half a million dollars from Texas energy billionaires Laura and John Arnold and $250,000 from Lorreen Powell Jobs, Lorreen Powell Jobs, widow of Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. The group had uh, previously reported a $300,000 donation from Soros, one of the Democratic Party's biggest donors. Uh, Soros has spent millions in 2015 and 2016 funding campaigns to defeat local prosecutors around the country and elect new ones who back criminal justice reform measures. Uh, what criminal justice reform can we look forward to from a dirtbag like George Soros, ladies and gentlemen, when he's encouraging, he's going after a sheriff who who wants to stop illegal immigration? Unbelievable. Uh, we mentioned the spirit cooking thing. I don't think I'm going to dwell on that too much. Uh, the links to all of this stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, I'm trying to get through as much stuff as we can uh, in the interest of time. But uh, we see from the Daily Mail, Hillary Clinton wanted to give secure State Department cell phone to Anthony Weiner's trusted assistant. So... <laughs> This is the woman many people want to put into the White House. And what a scumbag Anthony Weiner has turned out to be. Uh, here we see from Russia Today. Clinton email server reportedly exposed to uh, hackers of f five spy agencies. I think we uh, already covered that in the first hour, so I'll move along here. Also from Russia Today, Bill Clinton and Obama worked to influence EU's Greece austerity deal. Say President Barack Obama and Bill Clinton sought to influence Greece to accept the EU's harsh austerity terms in 2015, according to leaked emails from Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, John Podesta. WikiLeaks released the correspondence dated 10 July 2015, in which Podesta wrote to Bill Clinton's chief of staff, Tina Florney, asking if the former president could talk to Greece Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras. White House asked me, and this is a quote, White House asked me whether uh, WJC, which would be William Jefferson Clinton, had enough of a relationship with Prime Minister Cyprus to call him and counsel him to make a deal. Unquote. Uh, Flurney responded saying Clinton would call, but that his immediate question is, are we pushing Merkel too? At the time, Greece had rejected austerity measures imposed by Europe and the IMF following the global financial crisis. And I apply this, ladies and gentlemen, 
to the United States. Because regardless of who is the next president of the United States, nobody is going to stop the coming financial calamity. And that's the one thing that anybody needs to, everybody needs to take with them. If you get nothing else from this program, get that. We're going into another uh, huge depression. The fact that they've been able to milk this thing for as long as they have is astounding to me. These money magicians keep pumping more and more money into the markets, keep manipulating things, but eventually the whole house of cards is going to fall down. And so the best thing that you can hope to do is prepare yourself and your family to the best that you can. And I realize it's difficult because most of us don't have a lot of money. They like it that way. They've engineered it that way. With your economy, with the outsourcing of American jobs to foreign countries, which has all been deliberate, it's all been on purpose, it's all been by design. But you need to get ready to whatever degree you can, because this thing is coming. Uh, moving along here, speaking of the economy, we see from CNBC, U.S. non-farm payrolls total 161,000 in October versus 175,000 jobs expected. They say the U.S. economy added a less than expected 161,000 jobs in October. Now, that sounds relatively good, listeners, and the media has been trying to boost this. Hey, look at that. Look how great the economy is doing. Look how wonderful everything is. But what kind of jobs are these 161,000 jobs? And why has, it, has the economy added so many jobs? What kind of jobs are these? As we look deeper into this, many of these jobs, listeners, are part-time jobs. And why is that? Uh, Stuart Varney of Fox Business comments about what these numbers mean. I'm going to play a little bit of audio from him. The final jobs report before the election came out this morning. America's not on the road to prosperity. The economy is slowing, and these numbers show it. Only 161,000 jobs created uh, last month. Ah, uh, we dug a little deeper. Look what we found. Part-time jobs up 90,000. Full-time jobs down 103,000. You call that prosperity? And yet the mainstream media will carry the water for the administration like it always does. The Washington Post ran this headline when the news broke. Four days before the election, U.S. labor market continues to strengthen. What? Where have they been? This is the issue America should be voting on, but the media ignores the issue of restoring middle-class prosperity. Is there anything more important than that? Well, yes, there is. Keeping your family safe, honest government, restoring the respect for the, of the world for America. Of course, we want all of the above. But for many years, America has taken a financial beating. Middle America, backbone of the country, has been shrinking. We haven't seen that in generations, and it has eaten away at our civil society. And in fact, we got violence in the streets to look forward to if this kind of thing continues, listeners. 
you haven't seen anything yet. You want to look at what 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 the future of America is. Take a look at Venezuela right now. I've said it before. Other people have said it as well. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. I know it sounds like it, but we got to face reality. There's no way this this whole dog and pony show can continue forever. Here we see from Zero Hedge, multiple job holders hit 21st century high as full-time jobs tumble. Uh, while today's headlines headline jobs print was somewhat disappointing with the establishment survey missing the expected print of 173,000 rising by 161,000, it was offset by upward revisions to previous months. But while the quantitative headline aspect is often open to interpretation, if I can spit it out here, the qualitative component of the October jobs print was, just like in the case of September, all too clear. It was ugly again. Recall that in September, the household survey revealed that the number of part-time workers soared by 430,000 as full-time workers actually declined by 5,000. The trend continued in October when another 103,000 full-time jobs were lost, which was offset by a 90,000 increase in part-time jobs. In other words, the transition, listeners, to a part-time worker society appears to have resumed after a hiatus. Now, we'll get back to the part-time thing in just a moment. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's go ahead and... Uh, Let's go ahead and go to it now. Tammy Bruce. Uh, she was on Fox Business also. She was a, She's a syndicated talk show host who's kind of a liberal. Uh, I think she does some conser- has some conservative ideas. Uh, she's in favor of abortion. She's a lesbian. She's uh, worked for a number of Democratic campaigns, but she's also supported some Republican campaigns as well. Uh, she's in favor of the Second Amendment, uh, you know, the death penalty, which tends to be Kind of a, a conservative type of uh, issue, I suppose. Anyway, she, I think, accurately nailed uh, the reason for the sudden spike in part-time employees. I also need some comment from Tammy on the jobs report. The statistic which I've been harping on all morning is this, and I think this reflects our culture. Okay, 9 million working-age men not working. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. 90,000 more part-time jobs, Mm -hmm. 103,000 fewer full-time jobs. That's a cultural development. It's not just economic. Well, it is is the result of the ultimate Obama legacy, which is Obamacare, is the destruction of the middle class through the destruction of small business. You put it all down to that? It is when when you've got rules with Obamacare that is going to harm a business less if you have people working fewer hours, Mm -hmm. you are telling America to be become a part-time nation. So small businesses want to survive so they, they can have some employees, but if you have full-time employees, it's going to cost you so much money, you're either going to have to fire people or you can keep some people hired. This is, I think, a direct result of that. It is the destruction of the middle
middle class that we've seen move, and it is a direct link to the rules of Obamacare. And it's not only hours, to Tammy's point, it's also the number of employees. Yes. If you stay under 50, you don't yes. have to meet certain requirements, and so therefore, it's another disincentive for businesses to expand. Obamacare was the death knell to employment in the country, and the fact is the Democrats didn't even think about it. The administration didn't even think about it. They just wanted to get his legacy in. We, had, we have that with Jonathan Gruber admitting we had no idea what this was going to do to costs, but the Americans wanted to hear that, so we said it. I think they did think about it. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I think the plan is to destroy the economy. When, you, when you're a closet communist, ladies and gentlemen, your plan is to destroy. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. We got a little Congress full of communists, closet communists. Right, right, right along with the closet communist who's not really so closeted in the White House. Now, CNS News, 94,609,000 not in the labor force. 94.6 million people not in the labor force. I remember the same number, listeners, are very close to it. Talking about this. Now, we're supposed to be a, a nation of r roughly 300 million people. This is a third of the entire U.S. population. And we have many of these people in the U.S. population that are children. So they wouldn't be in the labor force anyway. So what's the percentage of working age people that are not in the labor force? It's overwhelming. Uh, CNS News says in its final report before next week's presidential election, the Bureau of Labor Statistics said on Friday that 94,609,000 Americans are not in the labor force, 425,000 more than last month's 94,184,000, and the second highest number on record. Gee, is thing, are things getting better? You can keep putting spins on the numbers. What is that really accomplishing other than deception? But the American people, I think, increasingly are seeing through the deception because they're living the deception. Back maybe 10 years ago, you could pull the wool over many of these people's eyes. Uh, I remember writing, I wrote in my article, Unemployment, Now That's Sustainable. It's up on newswithviews.com about NAFTA, and I took apart some of the statements from the people writing in foreign affairs at the Council on Foreign Relations, where they were talking about, oh, you know, this is the outsourcing boogeyman. That was the name of the article, outsourcing boogeyman, where they talk about, well, you know, it's just, the unemployment is just, uh, it's a result of something else. It's a brief downturn. Eventually it's going to come back and people are going to forget about it. Yeah, well, we're still waiting here. The American people are still waiting here. And you can draw smiley faces on an ugly economy all you want. The people see through it because they're living it. The American people don't need statisticians to find out how their economy is doing. They look at the price of gas. They look at the price of things at the store. They look at their bank accounts, if they have a bank account. They look at whether or not they have a check coming in that's not a government check. 
They look at all of these things because they have to look at their own reality. And increasingly, their reality is biting them in the hind end. It's very difficult to bury your head in the sand when you're being chewed up from behind. They say the labor force participation rate dropped a tenth of a point to 62.8%. In other words, 62.8% of the non-institutionalized civilian population over the age of 16 is either unemployed or are actively looking for work, while the other 37.2% is not working or even looking. Why would they not be looking? Because they've looked. And they've given up because they can't find anything. The number of people employed dropped 43,000, declining from 151,968,000 in September to 151,925,000 in October. And I hate to keep giving numbers because I know when you do that, you lose people. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to fix something with my microphone here. I guess I'll do it later. Moving along here, uh, we see uh, Steve Ratner. He's an American financier. Uh, He served as lead advisor to the uh, presidential task force on the auto industry in 2009 for the Obama administration. Uh, He was uh, managing principal at the uh, Quadrango Group, a private equity firm that specialized in the uh, media and communications industries. He was on um, Morning Joe uh, Friday. I guess that would be yesterday. And he commented on the labor force participation rate. Why, though, is Donald Trump still doing so well? Well, part of it is because we do have a lot of disaffected workers. So what this shows is the percent of people over 16 who are either working or looking for a job. And as you can see, it peaked at 67%, uh, really back around the year 2000. And then it went down, it went up a little bit, but it's now down to 62.9%, which is the lowest level since 1977. We have fewer men of working age in our labor force than France does. We have about the same percentage of... Can you stop stop there for a second? We have a fewer, lower percentage of working age men in our labor force, either working or looking for a job, than France. Holy We have approximately the same percentage of working age women in our labor force or working as Japan, which is not exactly thought of as a bastion. Why why are we doing so poorly? This This is a lot of reasons, but this has to do with the people, uh, the manufacturing jobs that have been lost, the plants that have been closed, the people who've lost their job and simply dropped out. And as we talked about on the show last week, you've had mortality rates go up, you've had lifespans go down, you've had uh, the drug overdose problem, the suicide problem. There is a big social problem. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. People are getting disillusioned. They're killing themselves. They're, They're putting guns to their head. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. And if you're not dealing with it every day, if you're one of the few who, who do have a job, who, who don't have to worry about it, then it's easy for you to, to disconnect from the misery that really is out there in a big way. But, you know, uh, hey, good news. Taco Bell is hiring. Uh, they're adding 100,000 U.S. jobs by 2022. So there's, there's unemployment out there, folks. You can go make tacos for all the Mexicans coming in. Because, you know, they're just coming in to do the jobs that Americans won't do. Top of the hour. Hour number three, straight ahead. Stay with us. This is Governor America. 
I'm Darren Weeks, and we'll be back. wasn't for me up until a few years ago. My name is Kimberly Weeks, and I can tell you that violent crimes do happen. My apartment in college was fairly close to campus. Um, We were on a ground floor apartment with three bedrooms, very safe. When we signed our lease, they said, you know, we have absolutely zero crime reports that have happened here. It's a very safe neighborhood. In the early morning hours of May 12, 2006, I was awakened by a stranger who was holding me down with a shirt covering my face. And he was saying, shut up, don't say anything, just stay quiet. He stayed in my apartment for the next two hours and sexually assaulted me. And at 20 years old, I had to lay there thinking about how I was going to die. Law enforcement in my case was fantastic, but they were there after the crime was committed. I would say that my fear of guns disappeared when I got my second chance at my life. Protecting myself is my right. Michael Bloomberg would like to say that he is doing this to make everyone safer. Unfortunately, Michael Bloomberg is not making me safer. If my right to self-protection is taken away, that leaves me very, very vulnerable and feeling very scared once again. I know how best to defend myself. Mr. Bloomberg, you do not have the right to tell me how to defend myself. The guy just came into our store and started shooting. There was nothing we could do. We just huddled behind the counter, defenseless. Eventually, the police showed up, but by then it was too late. Six people were already dead, including my wife and daughter. If only I had a gun, maybe they'd still be alive. Americans who own guns prevent over a million violent crimes every year and save lives. Get the facts. Visit armedandsecure.org. Documenting the crisis of our republic. Waging war on the new world order. This is Govern America. Just south of the Great Lakes capital city, covering all of North America via satellite, micro FM stations all across the country, and streaming live from FEMA Region 5 and Michigan Planning Region 2. This is Govern America, hour number three. It continues to be the 5th of October 2016 as we get back back in. And by the way, you're welcome to call in if you want. 1 844 646 That's 1-844-646-GOVERN. That's 844-646-8376. As we were talking about the economy and talking about the corruption in government everywhere we turn. Uh, Before the break, as I said, uh, we were talking about Taco Bell hiring, uh, talking about the uh, dismal jobs market out there, uh, and the fact that we have an acceleration, really, of uh, uh, people who are no longer in the labor force. Uh, One thing that's interesting to me is that uh, Elon Musk has come out and made his views known about you know how, because we have a number of different things really pressuring the job market. 
free trade globalization is probably one of the biggest, but there's also the issue of uh, automation and computers. I know many people in my field, professional broadcasting, a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the things have been automated regarding that, and that's been a big problem with uh, people in broadcasting. But Elon Musk uh, has come out and he says basically, hey, robots take your job. That's okay. The government can pay your salary. Uh, computers, intelligent machines, and robots seem like the workforce of the future, according to CNBC writing here. And as more and more jobs are replaced by technology, people will have to work less. They will have less work to do, that is, and ultimately will be sustained by payments from the government predicts Elon Musk, the iconic Silicon Valley futurist, who is the founder and CEO of Solar City, Tesla, and SpaceX. According to Musk, there really won't be any other options. He says, uh, quote, there is a pretty good chance we end up with a universal basic income or something like that due to automation, unquote. He says, yeah, he continues, I am, I am not sure what else one would do. I think that is what would happen. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's your communism. Everybody gets a government paycheck, and that seems to be where we're headed. And keep in mind, that which the government funds, the government controls. It's very obvious. Um, I'll tell you what, CNBC, also there's a quarantine going on, Southeast Alberta ranches, uh, and they say it could last for months. Uh, this is a little bit of a deviation from where we were. Roughly 30 ranches are being quarantined as officials investigate a case of bovine tuberculosis. I just thought I'd bring this to your attention. Anytime ranchers are being quarantined, it's a concern. Uh, they say uh, uh, the quarantine of some 30 southeast Alberta ranches after a cow tested positive for bovine tuberculosis in the United States could last for several months. Canadian Food Inspection Agency, CFIA, officials said this week. The disease was detected in a cow after it was processed at a plant in the U.S. and traced back to Alberta. The quarantine ranches... Quarantined ranches are located in the uh, Buffalo, Atlee, and uh, Suffield block community pastures. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd point that out for those that, you know, and speaking of taxes, as we were talking about money and everything, um, and of course we got more from Obamacare and where it's headed, uh, there is the HIT tax, or HIT tax, and uh, Hoosier Ag Today reports that the federal government is about to raise your taxes and increase your cost of health insurance. Beginning in 2018, farmers and small businesses will have to start paying the health insurance tax, or HIT. The tax was created by the Affordable Care Act to help pay for the legislation. Congress voted last year to impose a one-year delay of the tax until 2018. AFBF tax specialist Pat Wolf 
says the tax would increase the cost of insurance for farmers and ranchers. She says farmers have two issues with health insurance. One is how much it costs, and the other is it is available in is it available in rural areas? The hit tax comes straight to how much does insurance cost? It raises the cost of health insurance, and it makes it harder for people who have to buy their own insurance to pay for insurance or to upgrade and get higher quality coverage. Another quality legacy uh, maneuver, uh, listeners, by the Obama administration. New York Times, you know, talking about, oh, by the way, there's one other thing regarding the economy. I want to come back to that real quickly. And the lack of jobs. Uh, there's one area that's doing just great economically. Guess what it is? Defense companies are blowing past earnings expectations, bucking what's been an otherwise downbeat season for many of the big industrials. Northrop Grumman and General Dynamics, the latest to report better than expected results and issue upbeat guidance. Morgan Brennan explains why the defense sector is on the offensive. Call it a great defense. Investors in the aerospace and defense index have seen double the returns of the broader stock market this year. And that could continue on the heels of solid earnings results from defense Bellwether, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics. On a conference call, Northrop Grumman CEO Wes Bush telling analysts strong demand for a wide variety of defense products is being driven by world events. If you look broadly across the, the classes of, of the threat profile uh, that range you know, all the way from near-peer competitors uh, to the, the world of cyber, yeah, it's clear to me that we're seeing a, a growing support, and I would say this is a, you know across uh, both sides of the aisle, a growing support for the need for the nation to really reinvest in its defense capabilities. Northrop's earnings beat was helped by higher sales in the aerospace segment, which makes the center fuselage for the F-35 fighter jet. More buying in top-secret programs and autonomous systems also contributed to a higher 2016 profit forecast, the third such revision this year. The results came one day after Lockheed Martin, the world's largest defense contractor, trounced analyst estimates as well, sending that stock to multi-year highs. A third defense name, General Dynamics, also raised guidance and reported a profit beat. Overall, a new wave of government spending is propelling the entire defense industry, as American allies beef up security and the U.S. is poised to do the same, no matter which presidential candidate takes the Oval Office. There you go. So defense industry, the military-industrial complex, hey, everything is going great there. So I guess we can all go f to work for Northrop Grumman. Uh, anyway, back to Obamacare. I wanted to go to, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the <sighs> this is very important for people to understand. A lot of people, in fact, the New York Times has an article, health, health law tax penalty, I'll take it, millions say where they say uh, the architects of the Affordable Care Act thought they had a blunt instrument to force people, even young and healthy ones, to buy insurance through the law's online marketplace, a tax penalty for those who remain uninsured. It hasn't worked well, and that's at least partly to blame for soaring premiums next year on some of the health laws insurance exchanges. Well, it hasn't worked well. Folks, it was designed to fail. It the Affordable Care Act was designed to fail, in my opinion. They wanted it to fail. 
because we're the Affordable Care Act is a transitional piece of legislation. It was a transitional law. Now, I, I do think people need to understand, because I do think there's still some confusion out there. You will not be prosecuted if you don't have health insurance. Uh, everyone needs to understand that. Uh, there is a misconception that the IRS can be sicked on you and that it will be added to your income taxes. No. The law that was passed, and understand that there were two different versions. This is very important for people. The law that was passed, there was one that was passed from the House, and one, or I'm sorry, one that originated in the House, and one that originated in the Senate. It was the Senate version, as I recall, that passed, which, you know, the way it was substantiated, that whole, whole thing is a constitutional boondoggle in the first place, because any financial bill has got to originate, according to the Constitution, it has to originate in the House. So there's your ability to cut, to uh, re-challenge in court the constitutionality of Obamacare. Nobody seems to be talking about that. It was the, the Supreme Court substantiated it only on the basis that it was a tax. Well, if it's a tax, then it has to originate in the House. This The version that they passed originated in the Senate. So you've got that. But the Senate version that was passed specifically forbade the IRS from you know, being used to prosecute people for not having health insurance and not paying the tax. Basically, it is a toothless law. They cannot pursue you, other than the only thing they can do as a remedy to try to get the money is if you got a, a, a refund coming from the IRS, then you just won't get your refund. They can take that. But they can't attach your wages. They can't attach your property. And that's very important for people to know. Uh, I've looked this up. I've read it myself. It's in the bill. Now, the version that they didn't pass did have all those provisions where the IRS could be used in a very a much more draconian manner. That one they failed to pass, thank God. But this one, the one that they actually passed, specifically says they can't do that. So I want everyone out there to know that, you know, as bad as it is, it could have actually been worse, and in fact, I think they would love for it to have been worse. But anyway, where I said Obamacare was designed to fail. Where are we going with this? Where are they going to take this whole thing? That's what we really need to examine. Obama made a speech in Miami, you know, because now he's on the defensive. All across the country, uh, health care... Uh, costs are skyrocketing. Obamacare in Arizona, we I think we talked about this last week, 117% is going up. I mean, it's it, it's unbelievable. But, you know, he so he's getting up and he's talking about all the wonderful things Obamacare is doing. It's true that a lot of the noise around the health care debate, ever since we tried to pass this law, has been nothing more than politics. But, okay, this is this is his... Uh, this is his talking point. He keeps uh, chalking it up to politics. 
Oh, these people are just making political heyday with it. Okay? Now listen carefully to what he says. Debate ever since we tried to pass this law has been nothing more than politics. But we've also always known, and I have always said, that for all the good that the Affordable Care Act is doing right now, for as big a step forward as it was, it's still just a first step. Just a first step. It's like building a starter home. We're buying a starter home. It's a lot better than not having a home. But you hope that over time, you make some improvements. You make some improvements, ladies and gentlemen. Did you catch that? He said it was just the first step. Where do you think they want to take this? So he goes on to you know, make some kind of stupid analogy about about Samsung and their exploding phones. And think about it. When, it, when, when a, one of these companies comes out with a new smartphone, then it has a few bugs. Uh-huh, a few bugs. What do they do? They fix it. They upgrade it. Unless it catches fire, then they just... <laughs> then they pull it off the market. But you don't go back to using a rotary phone. You don't say, well, we're repealing smartphones. We're just going to do the dial-up thing. It's not what you do. Well, the same basic principle applies here. It's a great analogy. Because Obamacare is going up in flames. But it was designed to go up in flames. Now, listen to his solution. This is what I think I referenced this last week on the show, but we didn't actually uh, get a chance to play the audio. Listen very carefully to what he says next. So repeal is not the answer. Here's what we can do instead to actually make the Affordable Care Act work even better than it's working right now. Because it ain't working at all. I already mentioned one. Florida and every state should expand Medicaid. (laughs) Cover more people. More government. It's easy to do, and it could be done right now. You'd cover 4 million more Americans, help drive down premiums for folks who buy insurance through the marketplace. And by the way, because the federal government pays for almost all of this expansion, you can't use as an excuse that, well, the state can't afford it. Because the federal government's paying it. Hey, let's just shift it all to the federal government. Number one. Step number two. Since overall health care costs have turned out to be significantly lower than everyone expected since sure. we passed Obamacare. Since that saved the federal government billions of dollars, we should use some of that money, some of those savings, to now provide more tax credits for more middle-income families, for more young adults, to help them buy insurance. More It'll social- make their premiums more affordable, mm-hmm. and that's not just good for them, it's good for everybody. More socialism, ladies and gentlemen. More when government. More people are in the marketplace. Everybody will benefit from lower premiums. Mm-hmm. Healthier people, younger people start joining the pool. Premiums generally go down. That'd be number two. The third thing we should do. Now, is- now listen carefully to this. This is where he introduces the ultimate solution. And keep in mind, he said he's going to, wants to expand Medicare. And, you know, then we're going to take money that we save, you know, as if we save any money in government. But we're going to, we're going to pay more, pay other people's costs down. Now listen to this third thing 
that he has here, folks, because ultimately this is the icing on the cake. This is where they're going to take this thing. Add what's called a public plan fallback to give to give folks more options in those places where there are just not enough insurers to compete. And that's especially important in some rural communities and rural states and counties. And, you know, if, if you live in L.A. right now, then it's working fine. There are a lot of insurers because it's a big market. There are a lot of providers. But if you're in some remote areas or in some small towns, it may be that the economics of it just don't work unless the government is providing an option. There you go. To make it affordable. And by the way, this is not complicated. Basically, you would just wait and see if, if, the, if the private insurers are competing for business, then you don't have to trigger a public option. But if no private insurers are providing affordable insurance in an area, then the government would step in with a quality plan that people can afford. I can't believe anybody would listen to this guy. You know, he just has more and more ideas all the time, doesn't he? But are these ideas really his ideas, listeners? Or is he being fed this stuff? You know, this public option. Now he's introducing the public option. Which is where they wanted to take it all along. Now, Florida candidate uh, for U.S. Senate, just Patrick Murphy... Well, he's also pushing a public option. I also believe that we should be looking at a public option, especially in rural areas, because one of the major premises of the Affordable Care Act was that there was competition, that there were more people fighting to insure you. That competition, the, pri the public option would be available for those to help lower those insurance rates. Now, doesn't that sound exactly what, like what Obama just said? So there's obviously coordination going on here. There's obviously talking points. And this is obviously the real agenda being pushed here. Okay, now, Nancy Pelosi, uh, darling that she is, she was on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd uh, about a, well, it's probably a couple of weeks ago now. She let it slip. Uh, exactly where she thinks this whole thing should go. How damaging were uh, Bill Clinton's comments about Obamacare when he said it was, the cr call it the craziest thing, talking about folks getting squeezed in the middle, small business, folks basically that are not eligible for subsidies. And even when he clarified it, he basically circled what he believes, it, what he circled was essentially the issue that Republicans are bringing up on the campaign trail. It's not damaging at all. You don't Affordable, think it damages at all? Uh, if, no, I mean, the Affordable Care Act, 20 million more people have access to mm -hmm. affordable quality health care. Not only that, many, no, tens of millions more are no longer subjected to uh, pre-existing conditions, uh, eliminating... Do you acknowledge this problem with premiums, and do you acknowledge this problem in the middle here with... Well, I want a really single struggling? payer. I mean, I wanted a... Uh, I don't love a single payer, but we're not... I, I wanted a public option which would address that. But we've never done anything, whether it was Social Security, Medicare, and the rest, where we haven't said, how does this... Okay. Let's see how it works, and let's improve it. Did you hear her slip? She says, I wanted single payer. Uh, I, I mean, I want a public option. That tells you right there where they're planning on going with this thing, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got a caller on the line. Let's go ahead and take the call. And, folks, uh, you're welcome to call in if you want, 1-844-646-8376. That's 1-844-6-GOVERN. Hello, caller. Who do we have? Hey, uh, Chris.
Chris from Canada. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Good. You were talking earlier about the, uh, well, you're, you're still continuing with it, but you were talking about uh, um, uh, the guaranteed income. And, like, as far as uh, health care is concerned, we already got that for free here in uh, Canada. <laughs> so we're, yeah. we're okay with it, apparently. How, how, how is that it's working for you guys? Funded. Well, not not really well. It's because uh, because what I uh, heard apparently you still go to the hospital. I haven't been to one in fifteen years because mm-hmm. uh, I know better. Uh, unless I got a broken limb. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's getting it's getting it's getting really it's, it's going south. Well, from uh, what I, I understand, I mean that as in it's 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 going down the toilet during the Obama the Obamacare debate. Uh, was brought up that uh, a lot of the people uh, from from Canada were coming down to the United States to have major surgeries. Um, That's correct. So this is an issue. If do it too, right? What's that? I said you have to have the money to do it. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so. But I mean, if you want to save a life and you can't get the proper care here in Canada, then. You go down and get a, a good doctor in the states, and uh, you pay your money. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know. But I mean, we all still pay for this. We still all pay for this, obviously, through uh, our taxes uh, for the privilege of having free health care. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we're not getting it. We're not getting. We're not getting what we need to survive. We're getting what they give us. Well, and the problem, of course, is, is is fairly obvious for anybody with an ounce of common sense. Unfortunately, most people don't have common sense anymore. But uh, when you, when that which the government funds, the government controls, and 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 government controlled health care is a recipe to control every aspect of your life, and that's really what they want to do. Because if they can. If they can dictate who gets coverage and who doesn't get coverage or who pays what you pay for coverage, you know, um, basically it, it, it is, it's communism. I mean, there's just no other word for it. And uh, I, I envision, you know, behavioral controls being put on people in the future. They're going to be talking about what you can and can't eat. Uh, if, if you eat the wrong foods. What are they doing it here? Well, there you go. There you go. Tax on sodas, putting tax on, uh, uh, well, you, well, you name it, food. And then they're 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 banning certain, uh, well, not certain. I, mean, I think it's about thirty thousand now uh, plants that they banned that you can't use. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, maybe fifteen thousand here in Canada because they're not pharmaceutical grade. And yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the sick industry is a uh, well, it's a good business to get into. Yeah, well, that's highly recommended for somebody that wants <laughs> to get rich and doesn't care. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, if you can get your way through uh, through the universities, uh, if you can, you know, pile on that debt and get it insurmountable, uh, you might be able to have a job out the other side if uh, you go into the sickness industrial complex. Gosh, you know, I. Yep. I, I wish I wish we could be don't don't you wish we could be more positive about the uh general direction of things, Chris? Uh well 
Well, I'm positive because we have we have hosts like you. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you to say. And that's that's what keeps me positive. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think I would have thrown in the towel years ago if it hadn't been for uh, listening to guys like you that 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 through your own just your own good conscience want to get uh, uh, true information out to people. And I, I really do feel that. I mean, in my heart. Uh, that that's very important, and that's what keeps me positive. Because if I was just to listen to uh, television and mainstream, yeah, I think I'd probably just throw in the towel and say, "Just take me when you can." <laughs> well, I, I, you know, and that's, and that's, that's I, I wish we could reach more people. You know, I, I, but I, I'm positive when I see more and more people. You know, I remember I, I kind of gauged some of the comments sections of some of these mainstream publications because, you know, before if anybody had said anything conspiratorial on one of these uh, mainstream sites, they would have been attacked as some kind of tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. Now I see more people posting comments like what we would say in the Patriot effort than I do, you know, seeing people that, you know, are detractors from it. So that's a, there's definitely something has shifted. Uh, hey, do you have anything else, or you want to hold over the break, or? Yeah, if I could. Okay. Yeah, I just want to talk about the guaranteed income. Okay, hang on just a second. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Bottom of the hour break, final break of the show. And we'll be in the home stretch in the final. And you're welcome to call in if you want, 1 646 8376. 1 646 8376. This is Governor America. I'm Darren Weeks. We'll be back. Welcome to Common Core Math. Made easy. Kimmy has six bananas. She gives Tom four bananas. Tom gives Kimmy back two bananas. That was rude, Tom. Are you too good for Kimmy's bananas? I was just doing what you told me. Kimmy identifies as an African-American male. What does that have to do with anything? Tom takes back his two bananas. Okay. Because he's a racist. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Forgives Tom and gives him back one banana. Tom puts the banana in his pocket. Okay. That's sick, Tom. Whoa. Kimmy rolls a nine. Tom must defend himself against a bridge troll. What? Nice saving throw, Tom. Kimmy rewards you with an apple. Tom bites the apple. Okay. Tom is allergic to apples. Kimmy gives Tom one EpiPen. Grateful for saving his life, Tom hugs Kimmy. Without her consent. Okay, come on. Okay, Tom. How many bananas do you have? Oh, Tom, I'm so sorry. The answer is 26. 26? How? Tom forfeits his life to the bridge troll. <laughs> this has been Common Core Math. Made easy. Hi, I'm Chandler.
Chandler, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is President of Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arn, on the continuing relevance of the Constitution. Many argue today that the Constitution is outdated because it addresses problems peculiar to the 18th century so long ago. And some of it does read sort of quaintly. But consider the injunction against titles of nobility in Article 1, Section 9, for example. Is that so outdated? The purpose of that injunction is to prevent the government granting special privileges for partisan reasons. This strikes at the rule of law, the rule under which we're all to be treated the same. The crony capitalism so common today, where the government gives favors and tax dollars to some businesses and advantages over others, is exactly the kind of thing the Constitution was meant to prohibit. The Constitution is not outdated at all. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To receive a free pocket Constitution and declaration, go to constitutionminute.com. a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Hi, I'm Shelby, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is President of Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arn, on Congress granting itself legal exemptions. In 1788, as the Constitution was being debated, James Madison wrote that the chief restraint preventing Congress from passing laws that apply to us, but not to Congress, is, quote, the vigilant and manly spirit which actuates the people of America, a spirit which nourishes freedom. If the spirit shall ever diminish so as to tolerate a law not obligatory on the legislature, the people will be prepared to tolerate anything but liberty. Today, Americans live under many laws that do not apply to elected officials and those who work for them. If we hope to preserve our liberty, we must recultivate that manly spirit of freedom that our fathers had. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To receive a free pocket constitution and declaration, go to constitutionminute.com. stretch of the broadcast right now. By the way, the website is governamerica.com. Keep your eye on the uh, website throughout the week as we have uh, constantly updated information up there. And uh, Chris in Canada is on the line right now, and he wanted to talk about guaranteed income because we uh, covered that article, uh, the information about uh, Elon Musk and his promotion of that idea. Uh, go ahead, Chris, with your thoughts. Are you there? Chris? Okay. I don't know. My screen says he's still there. Are you? Oh, there you are. You were hiding on me. Sorry. My okay. mute button. Ah, the, the old mute button. Gotcha again. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, uh, Ron Stevens um, over at UCY.TV, uh, Rock the Boat, uh, uh, touches on the subject a bit. Okay. Um, on, on, on our shows. Uh, we, we were starting this uh, experiment in Ontario, uh, uh, I believe, what's coming up soon. Um, they're going to use two cities uh, to see how well it works. Mm. And, well, we know where it's going to go from there. Yeah. And uh, they're looking at like $800 a month that you get, whether you're rich, poor, in between, government mm-hmm. money. Um, and I've seen a lot of what's going on, uh, even besides uh, talking about just the guaranteed income. Uh, obviously, the government pays for it. We're the government. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the bureaucracy has been bloated to the point now where I don't even understand how I am uh, able to afford to pay for it. And I can just imagine if they're going to go with two test cities, what's going to happen when they go full-blown all of Ontario and then full-blown all across, across the country? Mm-hmm. Just, well, and what's the, what, what's I mean, going to happen? Actually, out there producing income are are going to be so broke. Well, and the, and the problem you're going to have here, Chris, the problem you're going to have is a lack of motivation by certain individuals. It's the same problem with communism. It doesn't work because if people yeah, can get where's the money come from? Well, there you go. They, I guess they'll just print it out of thin air like they do the rest of the money. But the, <laughs> the problem is productivity I mean, the people will fall. are motivated and then they're trying to do uh, uh, do their job that are paying for this. Because if you're a, if you're a government official, which I think sixty percent of Ontario is right now, I mean the other forty percent are paying for that. What what happens when you get rid of the other forty percent? Yeah, is that is that how it is? Is it a pipe dream that we just yeah we just keep creating the money out of thin air and everybody's just happy and we all just get along? Yeah, well we're gonna find out, aren't we? We're gonna find out just how good a uh, their utopian society is. Yeah, you know, and what the sad thing is, that more I mean, people don't story, see this. This story was brought brought up. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I think there's a delay on 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 your line there. Um, what I was going to say is, it's amazing to me that more people don't see through this. But the problem is, you know, the young people who who you know all went, were all in with Bernie Sanders and free college, you know, and uh, free health care and all this, except that they're not signing up for Obamacare, I notice, uh, which is a big problem. You know, they're all in favor of, of socialism if it works for them, but if it works against them, they're not. Imagine that. But they'll, there's a lot of people that will go for it. Hey, I can have security, a government check. Every month coming in. That way I don't have to worry about working. That way I can go and pursue whatever I want to pursue. So it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to yeah. see how, you're, how, how the experiment up north there works. Because i got a feeling it ain't going to work it, at all. It's coming. I mean, it's already in the, in the plans. I've, uh, I've spoken with a couple of people that don't believe me, but it's already been reported. It's there. It's it's obvious. It's it's, it's happening. Um, and we're the experiment at this point. Maybe maybe I'll be one of the lucky ones, and they'll, they'll bring it to my town, and I'll get, <laughs> I'll get that guaranteed income. Then maybe I won't complain so much. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, if you're the person and you're saying, well, geez, man, times are tough right now, and I'm getting an extra $800 a month, 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm push any buttons here. I think I'll just ride along. <laughs> yeah. Go along to get along. Cause exactly. I need it. Well, there you go. And, and then, and you know, then they expand it. They can control you by the health care. They can control you by cutting off your funding. And, you know, they, then, then the coup d'etat yep. will be complete. You know, the Reds will have control of everything. Well, and what you got to do, too, though, is when, 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 when you accept this benefit, You've got to give them your whole life history. You've got to let them get into your bank account, sure. get into your home, get into everything. Why not? You know, but... Why not, slaves? Well, for 800 bucks, hey? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, pe- people are paying money at the airport. Were you listening last week? People are paying money at the airport to give a private company their biometric information so that they can maintain some dignity in their travel efforts. So if they will go for a scam like that, then they will go for anything, my friend. No. Sorry, I hate to be a downer. Yeah. Just the well, way I don't it want is. to keep you up. You've got other callers. And, uh, but, yeah, no, I just thought I'd touch on that with you. I wish we had more time. Uh, uh, maybe we'll get you on Ron's show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're trying. Yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll dig up you, some you time. You're my friend. You're doing a great job. I and, appreciate uh, it. Thanks, we'll, Chris. Uh, I'll keep listening. Okay. All right. God, God bless you, sir. All right. Moving along here. Uh, we talked about last week the free trade agreement between the European Union and Canada. Uh, apparently now that has been signed. Last week the uh, Canada, Canadian uh, negotiator had walked out of the agreement. Now we find uh, from Reuters the European Union and Canada signed a free trade agreement on Sunday. So that was right after we did the show last week that aims to generate jobs and growth, though it uh, must still clear some 40 national and regional parliaments uh, in Europe in the coming years to fully enter into force. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau signed the treaty along with the heads of the European Union institutions, a step that should enable a provisional implementation of the pact early in 2017 with the removal of most import import duties. Uh, The name of the agreement is the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, CETA. Its passage, they say, has not been smooth, and they go on to talk about how, um, you know, the problems that they've had. Anyway, the the link to this will be in the show notes for those that are interested, which should be anybody in Canada. But uh, these kinds of agreements, it's called integration, ladies and gentlemen. It's called a new world order. And integration's worked really great in Europe, hasn't it? Uh, speaking of such, uh, we have the Brexit situation. USA Today. Court rules British lawmakers must vote on Brexit. Now, we talked about last week, actually we've talked about on this show uh, in previous broadcasts, about how the, uh, you know, the people were, it was all put up for a referendum whether or not they were going to leave, and I'm talking about Britain, the European Union, whether they were going to leave or not. People voted, to, to my astoundment, uh, astonishment, uh, the thing went through, which I thought for sure they'd rigged the vote. Maybe they intended to and screwed up. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think that uh, there might have been some reason why it passed. Uh, certainly, 
Over there, there is a European Union army that the EU wants to build. Uh, if you look at the Lisbon Treaty, uh, which is the foundational document, basically it's the uh, Constitution of the European Union, uh, it talks, it, basically it forbids the European Union for having an EU army without the, uh, it, basically the, the uh, European Council has got to give unanimous consent for something like that. And the European Council is comprised of the heads of state of all the 27 member nations. So they cannot build a European Union army without the unanimous consent of the European Council. And Britain is very much against them having a European Union army. For one thing, it would be a competitor, a potential competitor with NATO. And so one of the themes of this show today has been all of the uh, jockeying for control, the shifting, the, uh, the competing interests involved, and here we have it, we see it again in this Brexit situation. Now, USA Today reports the British government can't trigger the process of leaving the European Union without approval from Parliament. The High Court ruled Thursday, dealing a blow to Prime Minister Theresa May and complicating the United Kingdom's exit negotiations. Well, gee, isn't that interesting? So we have the high court over there after some lawsuits have been filed. And uh, they say, nope, sorry, you got to have parliament to do it. It doesn't matter that the people voted. It doesn't matter. You're staying in unless parliament says you're leaving. Uh, they say the government said it was disappointed with the ruling and will appeal to the Supreme Court. A further hearing on the on the ruling is expected next month. So this will be something that we need to uh, watch. Uh, anyway, the BBC did a report on this, and I want to share this with you. Uh, let's get some more reaction now on our main news today, that the High Court has ruled that the government needs Parliament's approval to trigger the process of the UK leaving the European Union. Well, let's hear first in this half hour from the Secretary of State for exiting the EU, David Davis. He has just given his reaction in the last few minutes to this High Court ruling. He's been talking to our political correspondent, Eleanor Garnier. Let's hear his reaction. The people have spoken in this. We've given the biggest mandate in history. The result of the referendum must be respected. Parliament voted by six to one to give the decision to the people. No ifs or buts. And that's why we are appealing this to uh, get on with delivering the best deal for Britain. That's the best deal for growth, the best deal for investment, the best deal for jobs. Uh, the people want us to get on with it, and that's what we intend to do. Are you clear at what judgment the judges gave today. Do you think approval needs to be from the Commons or the Lords as well? Does it need to take the format of a new piece of legislation? Can it just be a resolution according to what the judges have said today? Well, the judges have laid out what we can't do and not exactly what we can do, but we're presuming it requires an Act of Parliament, therefore both Commons and Lords. 
And will you, you're obviously pushing back against that, but if you can't, and the Supreme Court agrees with what the judge said today, what are you going to do? Well, the first thing to say is that this was a decision of the British people. That decision was taken after a six-to-one vote in the Commons to give the decision to the British people. So that's why we're appealing it. We're appealing it intending to win that appeal so that we can deliver the best deal for Britain, best in jobs, best investment, best in growth. That's what the government's about, delivering the mandate the people laid down in the best way and the best national interest. And that might be what the government believes, but judges in the very high court, in the high court have said Parliament should be sovereign. Well, Parliament is sovereign, it has been sovereign, but of course the people are sovereign. The people are the ones who Parliament represent. 17.4 million of them, the biggest mandate in history, voted uh, for us to leave the European Union. We're going to deliver on that mandate in the best way possible for the British national interest. Best in jobs, best investment, best in growth. Uh, and we're going to do that. The people want us to get on with it. That's what we're going to do. There you go. Now, there's another article from the Washington Times uh, that talks about how a European Union army would not be in the best interest of the United States. And I'll put that in the show notes, and I won't cover that in the interest of time. Uh, moving along here, since we're running out of time, uh, we see uh, from uh, thecollegefix.com, there's a Rutgers, stu Rutgers student who was fired from the campus newspaper for writing the term illegal alien in a column that he wrote. So you've got more of the uh, more of the uh, political correctness going on in various places. Also, uh, if you look at, you know, staying on Europe for just a moment, the migrant situation over there uh, has become very dire in France now. They're trying to force the migrants out. Uh, they're uh, striking... Uh, striking camps, tent cities, the number of these people uh, who have flooded across the, the borders as refugees. Their uh, tents are being uh, taken down by the uh, French authorities, and the, uh, the French government is trying to force the United Kingdom to take more of these people in. Uh, I'll tell you what, I got a report uh, from uh, France 24, because they did a pretty good job uh, reporting on the uh, refugee crisis uh, they're attempting to, as I said, get the uh, United Kingdom to take a, take more of these people. And if Hillary Clinton, I don't know what Donald Trump will do, but if Hillary Clinton gets in there, ladies and gentlemen, you can look forward to more of these people flooding over here because she's already said that's what they intend to do. Another day of hope for a handful of these refugee children. They could be the few who leave the jungle and try their luck across the channel. As more unaccompanied migrant children make their way to Britain to join their families. But the UK government has received accusations from religious leaders and charities of dragging its heels on helping to move refugee children out of the camp. And France has added to the wave of criticism. In a letter to The Guardian, the French Interior Minister Bernard Cazeneuve says... The UK government now needs to intensify this effort so that every unaccompanied minor can benefit from fair, lasting protection. He's urging the two countries to work together to fulfil its moral duty. On the 10th of October, the French interior minister and his British counterpart, Amber Rudd, agreed to speed up the refugee application process. 
So far, only 80 children this year have been accepted for asylum in the UK from France. But the charity, the Red Cross, estimates a thousand unaccompanied children are living in the jungle. 178 of those have ties to Britain. We pay tribute to the Home Office for what they've done, but this needs to be replicated tenfold over the next week um, for us to meet our obligations. France is expected to dismantle the jungle within the coming days, and it's feared many migrant children will leave without a trace when that happens. Now, Spisa, the news service Spisa, uh, talks about the Swedes, what's been going on over in Sweden. The Swedes are about to have enough of their failed juridical system, uh, their cowardly judges, and a law which has revealed incredibly stupid and full of loopholes the technicalities that let criminals go unpunished. Several people in their justice system have been subjected to serious threats in the aftermath of the release of the rapists, an alleged gang rape of a woman bounded to a wheelchair, which has uh, created fury in Gotland, according to GP. Uh, after a 30-year-old wheelchair-bound woman was raped by several immigrant men, the anger among the public on the island has escalated, they report. Now police send reinforcements, a special unit to calm the situation. Uh, it, anyway, so things are not going very rosy over there. In the meantime, we see from Germany. Uh, Germany, you know, the Germans are leaving their country in droves. Uh, the Gatestone Institute, which was carried by uh, Zero Hedge, more than one and a half million Germans, many of them highly educated, left Germany in the past decade. Germany is facing a spike in migrant crime, including an epidemic of rapes, and sexual assaults. Mass migration is also accelerating uh, the, Islamiza the Islamization of Germany. Many Germans appear to be losing hope about the future direction of their country. Now, folks, everything I'm, we're saying about Germany, everything we're saying about the Swedes, apply it to the West because it's coming. The more of these refugees are coming in, it's going to tilt the country in that direction. You're dealing with a cultural clash. You're dealing with a religious clash. You're dealing with a clash, which could ultimately lead to a civil war, I'm afraid. And the elites will be sitting back behind the scenes, watching it all pan out, and laughing as people kill each other. Uh, quote, we, we refugees do not... Okay, now this is a message that was actually... Uh, posted by an 18-year-old Syrian migrant. He says, We refugees do not want to live in the same country with you. You can, and I think you should, leave Germany. And please take Saxony and the alternative for Germany, AFD, with you. Why do you, why do you not go to another country? We are sick of you. Now, this is a Syrian immigrant telling this to the people the native, that are native to Germany to leave their own country. We are at risk, ladies and gentlemen, of having the same thing happen here. What you have going on right now is you have people being used as a weapon. Migrants being used as a weapon of war, and it is a war. Make no mistake about it. Um, the uh, A German citizen immigrated to Germany 
an open letter to the German government. He says, I believe that immigration is producing major and irreversible changes in German society. I am angry that this is happening without the direct approval of German citizens. Uh, a growing number of uh, German people are abandoning neighborhoods in which they have lived all their lives, and others are leaving Germany for good as mass immigration transforms parts of the country beyond recognition. It's sad. But this is the thing, this is the model for the world, listeners. And it's addressed in Agenda 21. All countries where appropriate could de should develop and implement resettlement programs. I believe it's Chapter 7, if I remember correctly. Resettlement programs to, to address the specific problem of displaced populations in their respective countries. So, many things can make you displaced. The idea, this is all, this is what the United Nations has done for you and is doing for the people of the world. Uh, we also see from the Daily Caller, Hillary worried about jihadists entering with refugees in private speech. In a 2013 speech, uh, Hillary Clinton worried about the risk of jihadists entering Jordan with legitimate refugees because they can't possibly vet all those refugees. Uh, Clinton today, today wants to increase the amount of Syrian refugees in the United States by 55,000 annually. Annually, every year, listeners. She believes that the U.S. refugee screening process is comprehensive enough to catch potential jihadists trying to enter the country through FBI Director, though FBI Director James Comey himself has said that the vetting process is severely limited by a lack of available data. Well, even if you vet them all, it still doesn't address the cultural problem. The cultural problem is a big deal. Because if we're going to live and maintain the traditional lifestyle we've enjoyed in the West and to have freedom of religion in whatever way, because many of these countries do not have freedom of religion. It's Islam or die. As a matter of fact, there is a church down in, I believe, Texas. I got the article here, Fox News. Police investigate Texas churches spray-painted with no to wall, Islam or die. Do you see? There's the problem. In the meantime, we have uh, MS-13 gangs coming into the country. There's an influx of youths crossing the border. 92% arrested were illegal. So we've got that going on from the Washington Examiner. KRGV reports a wave of immigrant, immigrants taxing South Texas services. This is actually an Associated Press article. I won't read it in the interest of time because we're almost out of time. We have Mexican drug cartel members uh, being arrested. New York City laundering money, making deposits at the banks. Uh, and Fox Business reports 800 to 1,000 immigrants are coming across the border every night, ladies and gentlemen, at the U.S.-Mexican border. Unbelievable amount of people going across the border, 800 to 1,000 a night. The Border Patrol is overwhelmed. What a frustrating thing it must be to be a Border Patrol agent. Uh, I guess I'll leave it there for now. Uh, tell somebody about the broadcast. Pray for this republic. Do what you can to restore it. Thanks, everybody, for the phone calls, and thank you for listening. God bless you. 
And we'll talk to you next week. And we'll find out what happens in a few days with the so-called election. All right. I'm out of here. Have a good one. Bye-bye. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. My co-host, Alfred Adisk, and James Corbett of the Corbett Report will be here right after the first segment of today's program. So let's get started with the crazy markets that we're experiencing after the election two days ago for Thursday, November 10th, 2016. Um, we're going to focus on some financial news today. Of course, a lot of it is all, all based around uh, the, Mr. Trump. Uh, we have some reports first uh, that I'd like to talk about. You had the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It hit another record high today. Copper posted its bigger, biggest back-to-back surge in three years, and alongside of it was uh, gaining. You had lead, zinc, and aluminum. Um, we haven't seen any follow-through with gold as yet, but we will. In the aftermarket, gold, New York spot price, down 22 today. At 1,257, 1,257 down 22. Silver, though, uh, was up 0.05 at 1861. Most of these um, um, these numbers for gold and silver started to go heading down, you know, probably around 330. Uh, Silver was much higher most of the day, holding around the 1885 level. And it just 
just recently uh, came back down to this 1861 level uh, right before the markets closed. Platinum was down 28 at 976. Palladium up 12 at 693. The USDX today, I didn't have a chance to see where that was at. Up 23, up 23 at 98.81. Crude oil was down 0.76 at 45.51. And let's get to those paper paper markets today. You had the Dow up triple digits again, once again. You had the Dow up 218 points, 18,808. The NASDAQ didn't fare as well. It was down 42, but still 5,208. The S&P was up 4, 2,167. The 10-year yield continues to climb, 2.12%, up 0.05. The euro, of course, was down 109. And Japan and Hong Kong, pretty much, Japan was down over 5% today, the, the day before. It reversed itself, uh, London, pressure on London and Germany which is a little surprised to see considering the, the strength in, in all the other markets around the world. So I still expect to see gold reverse itself here shortly. I think we still had a 1250 that it will test. And the, the reason I believe it will turn around is because the only thing you read, every article that I read about uh, uh, the 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 financial news and so forth, it's all about inflation. So gold will respond. I know some of the mining shares, they got hit pretty hard. Newmont Mining today was down a little over 6%. But I actually have some good news in, in a particular gold coin that I'll talk to you prior to uh, leaving this first segment before Al and James Come on. So let me get to what I want to talk about today. Again, we will see the follow through on gold. We'll have to see where and we'll see how, how, how low gold will go. But I still expect to see a 1250 as a bottom. We did have the dollar rise against most of its peers. You had government bonds. They're extending their sell off. And again, inflation. Everyone is betting on faster and higher inflation. They are betting that with Trump and a Republican-controlled Congress, they will have lower taxes, they'll ease corporate regulation, and ramp up spending to spur the world's largest economy. Statement posted on his official transition website, so the new administration will replace Dodd-Frank, Act financial sector law with pro-growth policies. And as a side note, you know, Dodd-Frank gets blamed a lot for our slow economy. That law created five new regulatory agencies and affects a profound increase in regulation on the financial services. So bye-bye to Dodd-Frank. Well, sometimes you do have to have regular, sometimes you do have to have regulation. I mean, that's what got everyone into the, the problem with the derivatives and, and the subprime lending. But even with the Dodd-Frank Act, we still have subprime lending going on. So we're not so sure how 
good those regulations were. It stifled the economy, but that seems to, uh, it will at least be replaced with some pro-growth policies. And as we know, Trump has pledged to cut taxes and boost spending on infrastructure by as much as $500 billion. His proposals, now this is from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. They estimated that his proposals would increase the debt by $5.3 trillion. Definitely inflationary and definitely good for gold. So people, what we're seeing now, I think what we're seeing in the markets, what we're seeing around the world, people are traders are going through the possibilities about what Washington looks like today and what it's going to look like tomorrow. And these people, they're always going to Washington to see what it can or it can't do for them. Uh, John Manley who helps oversee about $233 billion as chief equity strategist for Wells Fargo, says corporations feel there's a less restrictive hand. People may take that as a positive. And I think that's what we're seeing in the stock markets. They are, corporations are taking it as a positive. You know, they're, they're looking at, at lower tax, lower taxes and, and less regulations to perhaps they can expand and, and create jobs. Federal Reserves, they're going to do a rate increase in December. If the markets stay this strong, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't, not with all their great little reports that they fudged um, prior to the election for Hillary. So if they stay with, if they don't readjust those numbers and they stay with those numbers and the stock markets stay as strong as they are, yeah, they're going to increase the rates in December come a quarter point. And that is in their meeting is December 13th and 14th meeting. So we have that to look forward to. Investors from PIMCO, the Pacific Investment Management Company, they see a surge in long-term U.S. Treasury yields as a sign of inflation will be on the rise. This is good for gold. So again, folks, the reason I, I talk about this, and I'm just as excited as everyone else is out there with the hope that things are going to change in Washington. And I do believe they're going to change. But I do believe we still have a financial system that is a problem. And by tacking on, I don't care how you do it, you know, if you you create uh, government bonds to, to, to you know, fund the infrastructure projects, you know, still has to be paid for. So there, there's a lot of things that uh, I don't see as positive for our monetary system. Therefore, we're going to have inflation and gold will protect your purchasing power as a hedge against inflation. That's just one of the benefits that gold will do. Just like we, we give the examples of a man's business suit that you could buy in 1950, you can still buy the same suit today with the same amount of money priced in gold. So it protects your purchasing power. And the Federal Reserve remains to be seen whether she'll be replaced prior to her. I think she's actually in office until 2018. So we'll have to see what Mr. Trump does there. But what's interesting is, you know, here we are. Trump hasn't even taken office yet. He did meet Obama today. He went to, and I would have loved to have been a, a fly on that wall. 
But we're already seeing a positive difference. You're seeing positive energy being created. And it really is amazing how a man, a president-elect, can make these leaders around the world try to make everyone forget what they said prior to the election. They are scared of Trump and what he's going to do for this country with his election, what effect it will have on their country. So, again, you're going to see them all come back, you know, because, they again, they all know where their bread is buttered. The Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he said today that he was willing to renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement. So already he has it's going to be two against one. As you all remember, that NAFTA, Trump called, was the worst trade deal the United States has ever signed. Clinton signed it, but it really was created by the Bush administration. But Clinton did sign it. So And so this is important. And Trudeau says he thinks it's important that we be open to trading, to talk about trade deals. Trudeau loves free trade. Now, free trade is a lot different than fair trade. I believe Mr. Trump believes in fair trade. And Trudeau continues to say if the Americans want to talk about NAFTA, he is more than happy to talk about it. He said, adding that it was important to periodically reassess trade deals to ensure that they continue to be a benefit to the Canadians. Well, you know, we know Canadians, Canada is having a little bit of problems, too. So, again, here comes a, <laughs> another leader of a country and uh, willing to do whatever is necessary to help his own country. But that's that's the way the world works. Remember Mr. Farage? Remember he did a little bit of campaigning or he was at the Republican convention. I believe he was the first Briton ever to attend the Republican convention. Mr. Farage recently said, and, and he was a major force behind Brexit, he said in a radio interview, <laughs> he called Obama a creature, a lonesome individual who couldn't stand our country, meaning Britain. And I'm not so sure Obama could stand this country either. But look, Mr. Farage goes on, he says, what was interesting was that Trump said we'd be at the front of the queue, the line. He said on this radio interview, listeners bear this in mind, however imperfect Donald Trump may be, and he is, and he was kidding about how his mother was Scottish, that he spent a lot of time in his country. He says he loves our country, what we stand for, and our culture. But then this is where it gets interesting. He says this is a big opportunity, and he was being interviewed over there. This is a big opportunity for all British business. Because once we left that awful EU thing, we can do our first trade deal with the United States of America. He says, isn't that great? He says, all these dreadful people who work hand in glove with Goldman Sachs and everybody else have made themselves rich and they have ruined our countries. He says he, he couldn't be happier and neither can I. So it was kind of interesting. Today, Mr. Trump got to meet with the creature, as Mr. Farage has uh, uh, affectionately termed Obama, on Thursday today, and of course they were um, they were nice to one another. 
But they did have a meeting, just the two of them. And I would have loved to have been a little fly on that wall. I can only imagine well, what was traded, I think, whenever you have a private, I guarantee you Obama was probably asking Trump not to go after Hillary, just to kind of leave her alone and um, not to put her in jail. But we'll see. We'll see. Another reason we should be thankful that Mr. Trump was elected and not Hillary. This is from, I can't remember what, Natural News, I believe. And it, and it was. Everybody, you know, supporters of Clinton thought that Hillary actually believed in supporting women and children and immigrants and humanity. But in the real world, she was an obedient pawn of the most evil, genocidal corporate entities on the planet. And had she had seized the White House, she would have ushered in a, an agricultural apocalypse that let powerful agrochemical corporations like Monsanto, and they are soon to merge with Bayer, poison our planet, our food, our children with cancer-causing chemicals. And Clinton was tight with Monsanto. She was also a favorite pick for Big Pharma. And the chemical medication, medication industry that, that, that continues to prey upon the endless disease to generate massive corporate profits. We talk about this all the time. The corporate profits of these big, of big pharma on Wednesdays when Wendy Wilson joins us from Apothecary Herbs. So all of these pharmaceutical companies were counting on Clinton and um, hoping that they were guaranteed another 48 four to eight more years of profits as Americans suffered and, can, and dies from cancer, diabetes, and other diseases. I wanted to do a comparison. Here's some, here's some good news about gold. Tomorrow we'll talk about Lisbon. We'll talk about robots and uh, artificial intelligence. GM to lay off another 2,000 workers at two U.S. plants. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I wanted to get this through. I wanted to know how some of my $20 gold pieces were performing with this big hit on, on spot gold. So I went back. Someone called for pricing, and I had originally quoted them back on September 6th. So I thought, well, while I was quoting the same coins, I would do a comparison with today and when he had initially requested the price quote on his Mint State 64 $20 gold pieces. And I was actually pleasantly surprised because I wasn't really following the 64 $20 Liberty so closely. Back on September 6th, spot gold was $1,343. Today, when I did this comparison, gold was still at $1,267. In two months, we saw gold drop in price of $76. The Mint State 64 $20 Liberty gold piece increased by $90. I did this comparison yesterday, and I pulled up the prices today to just see, because I figured that, you know, they probably would have went down a little bit. But that Mint State 64 $20 gold piece, even though we have gold down $22, or not that much earlier in the day, was still up $5. What does that tell me? 
Tell me there's incredible purchasing going on in these coins. They're a limited supply. They're a beautiful coin, $20 gold piece, Liberty, Mint State 64, and supply and demand. Demand is strong. Supply is limited. Therefore, the price has gone up. A tremendous buy. And I do have that on special today. And the special on that today is going to be $1,840. This also includes a free Silver Eagle along with the Christmas container that the Silver Eagle comes in. It includes your shipping costs and the total is $1,840. So give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. James and Mr. Corbett. I should say Alfred and James will be here with you in just a few short minutes. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Financial Survival brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. And our guest is James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from the CorbettReport.com. Talking about all things economic and geopolitical and uh, sometimes even humane. I saw that you had an article that you had uh, that you just published uh, 
see, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at my, I have the wrong script here in front of me. Hang on just a second. There we go. Uh, you, printed, you printed an article just lately that only love can defeat the new world order. Now that's kind of strange. Um, I mean, the title, uh, are, are you... <laughs> Are you wearing flowers in your hair or anything like that? Uh, not well. If I had hair, maybe I would. Uh, no, uh, certainly not. It, it does. I, I hope it does strike people as a strange sentiment because I hope it is in 180 degree complete sharp contrast to everything that people are hearing and experiencing from all of the media, mainstream, alternative, and otherwise, which I have noted, and I talked about just last week on the Corporate Report, I, I did a uh, episode on You Are Being Programmed to Hate, where I've talked about the hatred and the vitriol and the division and the scorn and the rancor that is being increased and ratcheted up that I think we all feel, I think we've all seen come bubbling up to the surface, especially during this 2016 selection cycle. And I want to be stand in 180 degree complete contrast to that. I want to be on the other side of that fence, not talking about hatred and division and scorn and how you can be at war with your neighbor, but how people can overcome that tendency and I hope it's not pie in the sky flowery rhetoric that means nothing I hope there's something to it because otherwise we will be divided and ruled you know I watched the I watched the election yesterday for from eight o'clock at night until three o'clock in the morning or whenever Trump finally accepted and stopped speaking and whatever one of the things that impressed me about it I happen to be a Trump supporter or at least a Hillary you know, antagonist. I watched people in the Trump audience who were deeply wounded, or excuse me, in the Hillary audience that were deeply wounded when she lost. They were crying. They, were, they looked to me just like Trump supporters. And it kind of surprised me because the only thing I've been hearing is how vicious and violent and criminal the people that are involved in the Trump or in the Hillary campaign were. And it turns out that the supporters, I was surprised to see, they look just like me. Right? I didn't see that to be true. I didn't see viciousness, violence, the rest of that. I was, I was kind, of, kind of surprised. But I was also surprised to hear them complaining about Trump supporters as being vicious and violent. Huh? And I thought, wait a second, you don't get it. And it is amazing to me how little... The Hillary supporters understand about the Trump supporters, and apparently how little the Trump supporters understand about the Hillary supporters. It has been a real polarizing election. There has been great division, just as you pointed out in your article about there will be a divided U.S. public that hates the other half as a consequence of the Trump election, or I think you meant it as a consequence of the Trump election. And you don't think we're going to heal that anytime soon? Well, I mean, that's up to us, ultimately, and it's up to people having insights and epiphanies like you just had, because it is a surprising phenomenon to see people on the other side of that fence being similar to yourself. How could yeah. that possibly be? We are almost being taught that it's almost like a different species. This yeah. is a different class of human being. This isn't like you or me. And... 
I mean, there's so much irony here, and I, I have to admit, there's schadenfreude that comes along with this to see yep. the, the, the hypocrisy. But this is the way that I contextualize this, because I've been doing the Corbin Report now since 2007, so I started in the Bush era strongly against Bush and everything he was doing, so I was used to being called a left-wing pinko commie by the right-wingers and, and being loved and embraced by people on the left side of the equation. And then on January 20th, 2009, I suddenly became this right-wing fascist, literally Hitler, and uh, people on the left couldn't understand why I wasn't enthused about hope and change Obama style, and suddenly people on the right thought that I was a sane and reasonable person. And, hey, it looks like that pendulum is going to swing again. So what does this mean politically? I mean, just look at one example of this that I thought was particularly striking, and I think it encapsulates so much of what we're seeing right now. It's an article up on Slate.com, obviously a heavily left-leaning outlet, uh, I believe par uh, part of the Washington Post group, and uh, they wrote, wrote this article just a few hours after the election on 2.38 a.m. on November 9th. It's worse than you think. Donald Trump assumes the office of the presidency at the peak of its imperial powers and unhindered by the drag of divided government, where they say, so now we have a president-elect with authoritarian tendencies assuming a pre presidency that has never been more powerful. Over the course of the past 20 years, we have invested ever more authority in the executive branch of government. We have given presidents the power to launch war without congressional consent, and we have given them the power to rewrite the crucial details of domestic policy without any legislative stamp of approval. We rarely worried about investing the presidency with such latitude. It seemed a rational response to legislative gridlock, the only way to keep the country moving, and it seemed reasonable to believe that the considerable power of the presidency would be wielded by a person who respected the Constitution and the norms of American government. Translation, all of those powers that we loved under Obama, we will now hate under Trump, and we will love once again, once it is a Democrat, once again in office in four to eight to 12, whatever, however many years. How ridiculous, how saddening, what an indictment of the entire system that it works time and time and time again, that you get half of the public seeing through, seeing the real problem, seeing what's really going on, seeing that what they have been doing was a mistake, and it will just swing back and forth. The pendulum will continue to swing left to right. The left will be awake. The right will be asleep. The right will be awake. The left will be asleep. And all the time, government powers continue to expand. So... Every time that happens, every time there is a pendulum swing, I think a few more people fall through those cracks. A few more people see the system for what it is, and there, this is the moment. This is the moment where we might have a chance at reaching out to some of those leftists who supported everything under Obama to maybe see why that isn't a good idea and why we shouldn't do that. But uh, it's a small window of opportunity for before people launch into the, the hatred, just hate anything Trump, and then love anything your team does. Uh -huh. We have to break through this conditioning, and this is the kind of moment of opportunity to see that. Does the problem you're describing have anything to do with the, the statement that those who learn from history are, are destined to repeat it? I mean, it's, even, it's even more fundamental than that, though, isn't it? Because it's not, uh, yes, it is that, but it's, it's not just that people aren't learning from it. It's that there is that mental block, that it is such an effective mental block that this is my team, and anything my team does is by definition good, yep. and anything on the other team is by definition bad. And that's going to play out 
extremely interestingly over the next few months and years because I have a fairly strong suspicion, and hey, I don't have a crystal ball, but I have a fairly strong suspicion that Donald J. Trump is not going to be, uh, is not going to govern the way anyone is expecting him to govern. Uh, a lifelong Democrat with Democrat tendencies, I don't think he is actually going to be the incredible right-wing Bush on steroids that people the on great, the left right hope. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I, yeah, exactly. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think there's going to be some big surprises in store for everyone. And one example of this, what were the very first words to come out of President-elect Donald J. Trump? Was it, lock her up, yay, you know, now we can, we can do all of those things we talked about on the campaign trail. No, it was, I'd like to thank Hillary Clinton for her service to the country, and uh, she fought a great campaign, and we should all say a sincere thank you to her. Hmm. I, I, understand. I hope that people who supported Donald J. Trump, for whatever reasons they were supporting, will take a good look at what is about to happen and the things he is about to do and look at them honestly. Not convince yourself that just because I voted for this team and this team is now in power, whatever they do is good. Look at what actually happens and be honest about it. That's all I can say to people who are on board the Trump train right now. Just be honest about what's about to happen because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some some uh, promises reneged on. Let's put it that way. There's a question of who's really pulling this train. Is it Donald Trump? Is he the big engine that's pulling this train? Or is it all of the people that were fed up with the establishment that said, we're going to back this guy? Is, it, is this the populist movement or is this the Trump movement? It is 100% a populist movement. It was the people. This is a genuine and authentic expression of a lot of people who are absolutely fed up with the status quo in every sense. The mainstream media, the politicians, the, the uh, business corporate complex. This is a genuine populist movement and a genuine expression of that. Um, and Trump is just the figurehead of that. And that's what, I mean, almost every Trump supporter that I've interacted with, that is the way they frame their support for him. It's, yeah, he lies and, you know, whatever, he, he has corruption and he's not going to be perfect, but it is a big middle finger to the establishment. I get that. And I, in some ways, that is very healthy. That needs to happen. But once again, if people get caught up in the politics of this and start supporting the man instead of the movement, then the movement is lost. And I think is it lost or does it just sit back and and fume for another few years until they get another shot at the White House? Or in maybe even at Congress or the right. Senate. Right. Well, that, that's true. But in some ways, that's even more depressing because all that does is further reaffirm in the minds of all of these people that the only outlet that you have for affecting change in the world is to wait for your time to vote. You have to wait for the next election cycle, and then you can vote in another person who promises to do what you want them to do, and then they'll renege on that promise, and then you get to vote for another person who etc., etc. Et I mean, I get why 20-somethings get caught up in this and really believe in it. I am flabbergasted that people who have seen this happen over and over and it's over again their different. entire lives Yep. truly believe in the bottom of their core of their heart that this time it's different. I just, I can't imagine why they believe that. Well, a certain amount of hope, I don't know. It is, it's, 
you know, what fools these mortals be, that's one thing for sure. And it has to it has to even bewilder the politicians. They know they can fool us time and time and time again, but there's got to be a point where even they get kind of sick of it. Wouldn't they rather have an electorate who demanded politicians that were honest, that had some measure of real integrity, and not just telling us what we want to hear? Well, personally, I'd rather not think of people as an electorate. I'd like to think of them as people who are individual human beings who can interact with the world and affect change in all sorts of ways that have nothing to do with the, the federal government or what the President of the United States will or will not do by executive fiat. And until I think that shift in consciousness and understanding takes place, then, yeah, I guess we're trapped in a system where people are just slaves to whatever politician comes along promising things to get into power. Um, I, I think until we stop defining ourselves as the electorate and start thinking of ourselves as people interacting in communities, uh, communities of interest, that we create, then uh, then the game is is lost. It's not even the right game. It's like playing playing checkers while someone else is playing Monopoly and trying to merge those games together. Um, if they get you to think of the game as Monopoly instead of checkers or whatever game you want to play, <laughs> maybe this is a strange, a strange and strained analogy, but I hope you get the point. They've got us thinking in the wrong terms about the wrong things, and if, they, if they've got you looking for solutions in the wrong places, yeah. then, you know, who cares? You you are enslaved in your mind. Uh -huh. You mentioned that Trump had a background, uh, a historical association with the Democratic Party. He ran as a Republican, and he was roundly rejected by the Republican establishment. And the Democrat establishment has shown no love for him. Is it reasonable to sit back and say that Trump is a third-party candidate who, by a kind of extraordinary uh, Miracle, it would be some people's description, but something extraordinary happened where a third-party candidate managed to capture the the Republican nomination. I mean, technically, he's not a real Republican, and the evidence is that the the at least the establishment, Republican establishment, didn't want him. So, what have we got here? Do we have a third-party candidate in the White House? Uh, yes, I mean, there is a, certainly that sense, especially when you put it in the context of him running on the Reform Party ticket in 2000. So it's literally a, what was a third-party candidate has taken over the Republican Party, in, in a sense. So it certainly isn't within that Republican-Democrat dichotomy. That that Republican-Democrat dichotomy, the way it's functioned for decades, has been shattered. And we have yet to see what the pieces, how the pieces of that will sort out and what it will look like, but it will not look the same. So that is uh, some reason for perhaps some window of opportunity slash optimism. Um, but I, I think rather than framing it as third party, I would almost prefer to say non-party, because I am not convinced there is any ideological affiliation behind Donald Trump or his plans, such as they are. I think it is about being in the moment and what will what can be on each issue, what can or cannot be done, which, hey, maybe that will be a better governing style for people who are concerned about how people govern other people. Um, but it, I don't think we can fit that at all into the, the two-party system as it's existed for decades. Then do you see Trump less of an ideologue than you do as just a technocrat who has a certain amount of expertise to bring to the job? 
It is in a sense, yeah. I'm not sure I would use the word technocrat, but um, but certainly uh, that 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 is a I think a closer approximation. Um, I, I don't think this is someone with a political ideology per se, um, but he does have certain political ideals uh, ideas that he has expressed time and time and time and time again for decades, which I think we should take seriously. One example of that. Healthcare, universal healthcare. Um, he probably will scrap Obamacare, but I'm assuming he's going to replace it with Trump care. Uh, he has talked over and over and over throughout the years about being on the side of universal healthcare. He wants universal healthcare. I think he's going to make it happen. I think we're going to get something very similar to Obamacare, but it will be under a different name. So that, those types of things, again, I think people are going to be surprised when they see it's quite opposite to what they expected. When we return, we're going to take a break for a couple of commercials in a few seconds. When we return, we're going to start talking about globalists versus nationalists and where the world is turning right now. We're maybe moving away from globalism and toward nationalism. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that a dangerous thing? I'm Alfred Addis here with James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. Alfred Addis here with 
Report.com, and we have been talking about the election, and I was going to move off into globalization versus nationalization right now, but maybe we want to talk about riots. Is that something we want to talk about, James? Well, I mean, we should at least acknowledge the phenomenon. It's obviously happening as we're recording this, so who knows you know, where this story is going to be in half an hour, let alone a couple of days. But yes, uh, we have seen massive protests happening um, in various cities, obviously a lot on the left coast, not surprisingly. And as again, as we're recording this, uh, apparently people have been shot in Seattle during an anti-Trump protest. So uh, this is exactly what I am I have been worried about with the programmed hate and why I think it's important to have the message of only love will win win, win the, the day. We'll see us through these times because, uh, uh, unfortunately, we're heading into potentially very, very, very dark times right now. We're talking about uh, the political division and great polarization in this country. We're talking about divide and conquer to some degree, aren't we? And you're suggesting that to avoid that division, you actually have to start loving your fellow man and woman, whatever. The uh, fellow man and woman uh, is not some sort of, you know, troll from another planet. It's it is human beings who maybe you disagree with them, maybe profoundly disagree with them. But uh, if we start treating them as as political obstacles. This is the problem with the political game. You have half the population warring with the other half over who will have control over the country. And when your half doesn't get what it wants, it starts to get angry. And uh, that just ratchets up and up and up so that the whole political game is just a way to keep half of the population at the other half's throats. Look where that gets us. Look at what that actually accomplishes. I wish there was some way to easily put the brake on all of this. Um, but uh, again, the message has to be one about love and understanding more so than hatred and division. Do you think these riots, multiple riots, do you think these are erupting spontaneously in different locations or are they being fostered by external forces that say we need, we need a bunch of riots right now, let's have one in Seattle and one over in wherever in half a dozen cities. Are they being orchestrated or is this just, or is this coincidence. I do not have any data on that, so I can't say definitively. Um, I can say that if we go by recent events, not only in the United States, but in a lot of different places around the world with the color revolutions and what have you, we know there has been outside influence in these protests time and time again, but also in Ferguson, for example, where Soros was paying to bus in people from other places in order to, uh, to swell the ranks of the protests. So I think we would be naive to think that is not happening, or even if it is not happening right now, that it will not happen, um, that this will not be amplified by people who are looking to stir that pot. And again, this plays into so many different agendas, but if you want the, the, the militarization of the police state, what better, what better excuse to do so than by cranking up the problem so that the only solution is, oh, dear government, won't you come in with your militarized police state to save us? Do you think that Trump could have anything to do with this, or is he so far away from the establishment it's not his business? I'm sure that people, and what I mean by that is this, you're implying that there are forces in government that would like to set up a police state, and of course they've been doing it for some time, but they'd like to take a big, they'd like to increase that. Is Trump one of those people? 
yes, um, I, I'm, yes, I think so. I think he has authoritarian tendencies, and I think that is established on the campaign trail where he was talking about how he wants to imp implement the death penalty for uh, people who uh, uh, shoot police officers and things like that, which, uh, again, I don't take it seriously as a political policy proposal because there's no way that the president has any ability to do that. He cannot instate the death penalty for certain crimes uh, with a wave of his hand like that. But I think it shows the underlying tendency and the fact that um, he wants to get people like Snowden and whatever. I, I, I think Snowden is a psyop in various ways, but still the, the sentiment is, you know, it, these leakers and people are horrible people. We have to cage them and jail them, unless, of course, it's Assange who's helping me out, in which case that's all fine. So I think there, the authoritarian tendencies are there. I don't, I don't have the impression that Trump is part of some coordinated plan, uh -huh. um, like with the Soroses and whatever, uh, those, those types of forces. I think it's just his authoritarian nature. Um, the, the coordinated planning comes from the schemers, I think, more on the the New World Order side, however you want to frame it, who see the chaos and see the reaction to the chaos as their way of gaining more order and control over society as part of a planned agenda to move into that more centralized control. Speaking of George Soros, I published a, I, I published a link to a video of Soros being interviewed about three weeks ago on my blog, and Soros looked to be an old, fragile man. He was kind of shaking. He looked like he wasn't fully, he wasn't fully in control of what he was saying, and he made some extraordinary admissions. He admitted in that video that, first off, he admitted that Hillary was going to lose by a landslide, even though she's his candidate, but he went on and said that they had people in the Electoral College that essentially they'd bought and paid for who might rectify that problem. Um, do you think the Electoral College is likely to give us a surprise and wipe out Trump's victory and hand it to Hillary? I do not expect that to happen. If it were to happen like that, the I mean, can you imagine the reaction? Yeah, I can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if some outside influence was looking to create a civil war, that would be the, uh, the, the shot heard around the world. Um, there's no way that you could put that easily back in the bottle. So I don't think, I don't expect that to happen, but if the forces of chaos want chaos, that would be a great way to bring it about, wouldn't it? I would, I would say so. We've got an article here from uh, Yahoo News quoting Deutsche Bank. Which is interesting to me. Deutsche Bank is more in the news since it's gone bankrupt, or is technically bankrupt than it ever was while it was solvent. But the headline is Bye Bye Globalization, and one of the bank's uh, strategists, you see, writes, the world has been um, on a globalization trend since the end of World War II, but looking at the evidence this year, there is compelling reason to believe that globalism is dying. All right, globalism, I'm going to guess, is dying because global free trade is dying. We're in a global, something like at least a global recession, and arguably, from my perspective, a global depression. People are going to disconnect from other countries, in part perhaps to blame other countries for their problems. Do we, is na if we're going from globalization, are we headed to nationalization? And is that nationalization dangerous to us? Is it just a natural part of life? Uh, sine wave, ebb and flow, up for a while, down for a while? 
or is it dangerous to us? Do you see nationalization as dangerous? It's not, I mean, it's not as, as simple as that. We have to look at the bigger picture of what's happening here. I think this is a repudiation of globalism as it has been proceeding and as we've seen it developing since the 90s with the WTO and, and uh, what happened in Seattle and, and places like that where you had clearly this open conspiracy, I guess we could call it, where the you know leaders and people in positions of power go to these enclaves at G20 meetings and what have you to hammer out how globalization is going to proceed behind closed doors in concert with each other in ways that the public has no ability to interact with. And they keep saying, oh, it's it's for the best. It's, it's going to make a, a better, prosperous society, whereas people continue to get laid off and feel the effects of that. So this is a repudiation of that. It is uh, it's a big mandate to tear up the TPP, for example, which, again, I would expect that Trump will do, but we'll have to see. But that, and to the extent that that happens, that is a good thing. But as always, it is a question of what is the, what is that replaced by and what is the ultimate effect of that? Uh, we are heading into an era of more protectionist policies, and there are short-term benefits and gains that we will see by, about that. I mean, it's way, way, way too early to be talking about the markets and what this means and, and things like that. But we have seen, for example, industrial stocks going up after the markets digested what was happening and the futures uh, plunged. But now we see the market rally and we see, for example, industrial stocks going up on the expectation that, well, he's going to do all these protectionist policies that are going to help American manufacturing and industry. So let's invest in that. And that, that buoys and, 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 and uh, there's an upward uh, uh, pressure on, on wages and things. So this is, this is all good. But let's look at the bigger ramifications of this. A couple of things come to mind. One is that the 1930s were a time of protectionism and the basically the grinding to a halt of global trade and uh, beggar thy neighbor type of uh, devaluation policies were going on. And that really was part of the key buildup towards World War II. That is something to keep in mind. The other thing is we have, I mean, we know, we've been talking about this over and over for years. We are living in the central bank bubble. It has been going on since the Fed started its bailouts and since the 2008 crisis, they've been pumping in all of that money to keep stocks up, to keep uh, bonds down. We have seen the bubble. We are living in the bubble. The bubble cannot, by definition, cannot last forever. It will crash. If you bring in these protectionist and nationalist policies and the bubble pops, guess what's going to be blamed for it? It's going to be these policies. So that's something for people, even people who are in favor of these policies to think about. But there's the bigger, bigger picture, which I always look at, and that is that I am not against globalism per se. It's not globalism. It is not uh, because that puts it into a, a, a dichotomy. It's globalism versus nationalism. No, I'm against collectivism. And there are two subsets of collectivism. There's globalism and there's nationalism. They are both collectivist mindsets. So at this time, when people are looking for solutions, I hope that they will go back and ponder some things that have been talked about with regards to nationalism and how it is a dangerous collectivist ideology. And one example, I'll point people to George Orwell's notes on nationalism, where there's a lot to ponder in there, including where he said, had that famous quote, the national not only does not approve 
disapprove of atrocities committed by his own side, but he has a remarkable capacity for not even hearing about them. It's more of the team mentality. Our team, great. That team, bad. And that is a dangerous a mindset to be in, um, whether that's happening with political parties or whether it's happening with nation states or in whatever box people are putting themselves in, it disconnects them from what is really happening and it makes them support things they otherwise would not support. I've only got about three minutes left, but I've got a question here about external threats. There are rising tensions between NATO and Russia. Are those tensions, tensions caused by simple Russian aggression? Or does Russia need an external threat to hold Russia together? Is Russia under enough economic and political internal stress that they need a foreign boogeyman in order to hold Russia together? Well, I, for one, am disgusted that the Russians put their borders so close to all these NATO bases. Um, clearly, uh, what we're seeing is ramping up of the military uh, threat from the neocons, neolibs, warhawks in the American establishment to a ridiculous degree. And I hope that is the first short-term immediate uh, change that we will see with this Trump president, presidency, which is a ratcheting down of that talk. I really hope that does take place because it is ridiculous. But you bring up a good point, which is often missed even in the alternative media, which is that that type of existential threat from NATO, it certainly does have a political use for people like Putin, who is vastly, wildly popular in Russia, largely because the Russians feel, and I think it is a, an understandable feeling given the, the overall political climate, they feel uh, an existential threat from NATO who is threatening at their doorstep. So what happens in those times? You rally around the flag, you rally around the president. There is a political benefit that Putin reaps from that, and uh, I, I'm sure he's not oblivious to that fact. So it does, like all these military conflicts, it always helps the centers of power to, to ratchet them up in different ways. Let's hope, let's hope, and I don't put a lot of emphasis on, on hope and change, but let's hope that there really is a ratcheting down, because that does not benefit anyone in the general population with these, these uh, ridiculous militaristic statements that have been made in recent years. We've got rising tensions between NATO and Russia. It might serve Russia's interest to see those to create an external threat. But what about European leaders who worry about Brexit tensions within the European Union that could cause the European Union to disintegrate? Does the European Union need an external threat to hold the European, the EU together? That's one of the, the factors at play, but I think the European Union is about to face, uh, there are elections coming up in a number of EU, core EU countries that could see similar phenomena to what we've been experiencing. We're seeing the changing of the political landscape, what politics, how politics have been functioning. So um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the same old boogeyman warmongering in the same old ways will work to rally people in the same way as they have before. I really hope there's been a change in that because that is obviously not the way we want to continue to proceed. Question is always what comes along to, to, to change that or to, to change that calculus. And we'll have to see if the world becomes more peaceful. And if so, let's all rejoice. If both sides, NATO and Russia, Europe and Russia, if they both need an external threat, they're both pointing fingers at each other, does that increase the possibility that this will degrade into real war and you've only got about 10 seconds to answer? Uh, yes, if that's the, the game plan. But there are people within the, the, the hierarchies on all sides that also do not want that and are trying to steer it away from that. Let's hope that they win in that particular battle. 
right, James, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for your answers, insight, intelligence. We look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is Financial Survival. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Todd, the producer, and James Corbin. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Pain is fast. Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Bye.
Combat, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is November 10th, 2016. Saints, the world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin in the world and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. And believe me, folks, there, we need to keep paying attention, even though we had a great election. The phone number is 620-878-4682. And an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, our email address, and our mailing address, all at our blog, which is prophecyhour.com. And I hope there's going to be a bunch of you going over there looking for our mailing address so you can, and I'm going to say it, so you can send a donation in for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up, and we're trying to get donations for Thanksgiving ahead of time so that my wife can buy accordingly. Anyway, uh, if you also just want audio archives, messiahsbranch.com is cool, but the, the real main uh, site for audio archives is branch.podomatic.com, and back some, most of the links that we have lead over to that for archives on our main website page or prophecyhour.com. It's uh, the box that says End Time Radio Archives. Go over there and check it out. Remember, prayer requests can be sent by United States Postal Service and email with your return address and or your phone number so we can call you back. If you want me to call you back for a prayer? Make sure when I, if you call me, if you say, I want a prayer right then, and I'll pray with you over the phone because some people want to pray right then and other people, well, they want me to go to the mission church and pray. And so you need to be specific in your request. Anyway, the requests that come by mail or by email will be taken to Wichita Mission Church and one of all prayed over and sent back to you with no solicitation for donations. I don't do that. I just solicit donations on radio. Okay. We are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast on the net internationally pray about sport in their time. And on another note, here we go. Let's thank our listener base tonight. Who's listening? Moscow, Russia's listening. St. Petersburg, Russia's listening. Istanbul, Turkey's listening. Hey, Obama's home, uh, home country. Kenya's listening. Yuck, yuck. Toronto, Iran is, is listening. Um, boy, here's one. Kong, Kong, China, anyway, C-H-O-N-G-Q-I-N-G, 
China is listening, and of course, cities right here in the good old United States, such as, of course, Washington, D.C. is listening. Now, why wouldn't we think they would listen? Anyway, Houston, Texas, Jacksonville, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, Detroit, Michigan, and San Jose, California is becoming a big listening place. You know, I was born there a very long time ago. Didn't grow up there, but I was born there. Anyway, and I hear California may not be part of us much longer. You folks over there planning on succeeding, you know? I'm hearing that from after the election. Okay, enough of that. Well, as also, I bless our, our, the people in Wichita, Kansas that listen to us. You people in Wichita, Kansas, we need some stuff for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, you want to cook it, pies, cakes, things like that. Yeah, even potatoes. Any kind of donations of food is welcome for Thanksgiving. Anyway, let's have a prayer and let's bring on tonight's guest. He's more fun than I am. Dear Heavenly Father, you should have in his name, I pray. I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not mine, and nor our guests' will. And please, everyone, please, Father, give everyone out there ears and wish to hear the truth. So please, Father, you should have in his name. Bless this program tonight. Amen and amen. Well, it was Monday, and I had pondered since since last week, who just could I have on radio? I mean, some were good if Trump won, while others would be good if he lost. You know, it was kind of like one for this or one for that. Finally, as I was looking at my email, and I wasn't really looking for anybody then, I saw an email that had came back from tonight's guest, or rather the people that book him, or person that books him. Anyway... But I knew right then in an instant that I should ask him, as, as he was good, no matter what. And if the nation was hurting from a Trump loss, then a pastor is needed for comfort. If he won, and he did, then why not have someone who came out and risked his career and endorsed him, even on our program, and I know he endorsed him all over the place. So I thought, that's who I'll get. So tonight's guest is back once again with us. And yes, it's time for Pastor Carl Gallup's. Um, you can find him at carlgallops.com. He's a best-selling author, senior pastor since 1987, radio talk host, heard nationally, internationally, TV and radio guest commentator, former decorated Florida law enforcement office. I thank him for his service for that. Founder of P.P. Simmons News and Ministry Network. And he's also a member of the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile and Mobile, Alabama. Anyway, I don't know how to make a joke out of that, so I guess i got to move on. Anyway, Carl has written several books now, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, The Magic Man in the Sky, Be Thou Prepared, and his latest book, When the Lion Roars. And I just got this one in the mail, and we'll talk about it at some point tonight. Anyway, welcome back. Pastor Carl, how are you? Pastor Dan, I, I, I love being on your show with your amazing audience, and thank you for your gracious introduction and all the kind words you had to say about me. God bless you. Well, God bless you, Carl. You know, and, I, and I'm serious. I really was. I was perplexed because, I, you know, I have a lot of guests that I could call on. And, yeah, I know. And, I, and I, 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 I was troubled because I didn't really actually I thought we were probably going to lose, you know. But I, I kept trying to have faith and been having faith that Trump was going to win. But I didn't know, like so many of us, we just didn't know. And I usually book my guests ahead of time. You know, I don't like to wait till the last minute. And I just couldn't think, well, who could I have on? And then I, I, I looked down and I saw your name down there and I went, Pastor Carl, because if Trump lost, 
you'd have, I believe that you, brother, would have the right words to comfort my listening audience. And that if he won, you'd also be jovial about it. And after all, you did risk your career, so to speak, by even endorsing the man. Back to you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. No, listen, I have never through this process claimed to have a special revelation from God. I believe I had a revelation from the Lord. I had an impression upon my spirit uh, from the moment um, that uh, just before, actually, I was asked to do the opening prayer at the Donald Trump rally in Pensacola in January 2016. You know, that's pretty cool. I was thinking about that today. I will now be able to pass on to my children and grandchildren the fact that their daddy and granddaddy opened the rally for President Donald Trump in Florida. I'm, oh wow, that's neat! Hey, that's really neat, Carl. Yeah, I mean, I just—it just, it just really hit me neat. today. I mean, I just thought yeah. about it today. I mean, I took it as a great privilege that he asked me, but that was back in January when he was still in the primaries, you know. But I yeah. did endorse him then, and boy, did I take heat in mainstream media around the world. I mean, I was trashed in Great Britain in the headline media. I was trashed all over the United States. And uh, but but you know I'm not saying poor me I'm just saying you're right yeah I, I know was. but but anyway so I haven't I was just thinking about this today Pastor Dan I had an uh, an impression upon my heart that this is who God was going to use now I've never held him up to be the savior of America or the perfect candidate never but right. but, but I just felt like. This is the wrecking ball. This is the guy that God's going to use. And this is the year of revelation. This is the year of exposure. I mean, things are being exposed left and right, WikiLeaks, et cetera. And, and so I could just see, I never thought he was going to lose. I never did. I mean, people kept interviewing me, asking me, you know, what are you going to do? They're going to steal the election. He's going to lose. What do you think? Who's going to win? And I said, he's going to win by a landslide. He's going to win by a landslide. I kept saying that. Now, I said that. Months ago, so it's not like after the fact I'm claiming to be a prophet or anything. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying that I did. Hey, I got a couple of those guys I could have called. I know, um, I know, I know. You no, know, the bro- first thing I thought about, brother, was I, I thought about all these guys that through the election um, that had came out and prophesied this and prophesied that. You know, and I thought, man, it would, when Trump won, I thought, oh boy, now they're all realigning their prophecies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Some of those guys, I know, you know, I, I know brother, I know, and I just—that's why I—I I just don't. I mean, if, in, I mean, if God just appeared to me in a light of glory and just revealed the scripture and the word, and I knew it was him and said, now go prophesy that Trump will win or something. I would, and I would say, I'm giving you a prophecy. But all I could tell people was I just had an inkling that I thought, I mean, an impression from God that I thought it was. But, um, and I said that many times. So again, I'm not claiming after the fact, but it, it hit me today. You know, there were people from Orthodox rabbis in Israel to, to to a fireman two or three years ago. He's on the Internet. To a couple of years ago, before Donald Trump even put his hat in the ring, this guy mm-hmm. put a video on, the, on YouTube and said that he had a vision that Donald Trump would win. Not only would he win, but, but remember, he wasn't even in the race then, but that right. Hillary Clinton would try to steal the election. I mean— this is on YouTube, brother. You can watch it. It was posted. It was posted months before Donald Trump even announced. So, I mean, I think the Lord was speaking to various people. I think He was speaking through the body, through the church, 
and getting us ready. And boy, did we see a spiritual, demonic yeah. battle all during the primary, all during the general, right up to the night of the election. I mean, it started off looking like Hillary Clinton was going to win it. I just, I, I, I never had a doubt, brother. My wife was sitting right here. She can tell you. I just, I told her, I said, baby, Donald Trump's going to win this. You watch. I said, he's going to win it with a mandate. And then, well, you know, I and, can't and, and here we are. Yeah, I I said that I, if people asked me if I believed he was going to win, and I said, yeah. I did have some doubt come in a couple of times because it, it got so ill. I thought, uh, you know, but I, I kept saying if he wins, it's going to have to be by a landslide because it had to go over. And that's something I don't think many people understand. There was tons of election fraud out there, but the only yeah. way election fraud works is if it's a tight race. Yes. I believe if you took away the election fraud, people would be flabbergasted to see how much he actually won by back to you. I agree. And I said the same kinds of things when people asked me if I thought he would win. My answer was yes, he will. But he's going to have to win by a landslide margin to overcome the fraud. And I said, unless there's some kind of fraud coming down the pike that I don't know of, for example, some kind of computer hack into the system of, of every elections office around the nation, which is possible to do. I mean, right. uh, other than that, I said, yes, I believe he will. But he's going to have to win by, by a wide margin. I said, therefore, I think that's what's going to happen, because I just feel like he's God's man for the hour. And, and if he wins, he's going to have to overcome the fraud, which means he's going to have to win by a wide margin. So that's that's why I arrived at that answer, that he would win, and he would win by a wide margin. And he and he did. Yeah, amen. And you know me, I, I always say on this program, I'm always, you know, trying to push people into getting their pastors more involved. Yeah. Well, apparently something Good happened luck. because we had a huge angelical vote come out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really think the church kind of came awake. Now, I don't know if the pastors did. I pray so. I am a pastor. I love pastors. But brother, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I minister among pastors. And even though some of them are really nice guys and good men, and they love the Lord, brother, the vast majority of them that I minister among, <laughs> I don't know the right word to say, they they just are terrified of having somebody not like them. And, yeah. and, you know, but they're good guys. I'm not trashing them. I'm not going to yeah. call any names. I'm not going to give any hints. But I know people at the, inter at the national level, and I know people at my local and regional level. I, I, I know hundreds of pastors, and, and, and the majority are they are yeah. just not like you, brother. They're just not out there on the cutting edge just saying, here is the way it is. Here's what God's Word says. Here's what's happening in Washington, D.C. Here's what's wrong with the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's what's wrong. I mean, they, they just won't do it, brother. They won't. Yeah, I know. And, and it, it's sad. When you become a, a pastor, that's the first thing you need to go with. You need to be willing to have them, to have people get up and walk out in yes, the sir. middle of what you're saying. Because yes, you're supposed, the word says, how would they know unless a preacher preach it to them? That's you right. need to tell them the truth. That's, That's right. your calling. You don't tell them the truth, and then you're in trouble. You're right. And brother, listen. My entire ministry, I've had people get up and walk out of my, my messages. And listen, and listen, I, 
I, I am not, you, you know, I've been on your show a lot. I'm not a jerk. I think I'm pretty balanced. I try to be contextual, truthful. I'm, I'm humble and open to correction. I, I say that all the time. Um, I, I'm not dogmatic about things we shouldn't be dogmatic about. But, but on those things where the Word of God speaks clearly and boldly, forthrightly, right. I speak them with that same clarity. And, and, but they're, they're politically incorrect now. I mean, for me to get up and yeah. preach against abortion or homosexuality or sexual perversion or uh, homosexual marriage or, or or the transgender bathroom order and the insanity of that, uh, evolution and monkey men and, you know, and you get up and start <laughs> preaching that, brother, people get mad. They they snatch their purse up off the pew and, and, and you know, men will snatch their children up and they'll storm out of the church. But you know what? I wear that as a badge of honor, brother. Yeah, amen. Um, and, and you know what really bothers me? Have you noticed some of these, the, like the universe and some of the headlines? You're talking about universities. Well, I, we're not going to have midterms because the, the, our, our students are so hurt. We don't want to put any more pressure on them. Or they have crying rooms for them to go cry over the election. What kind of children are we producing? That scares me to death. I can tell you. We're raising a generation of snowflakes and marshmallows. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, this not name calling. That's what, that's what the, the psychologists, uh, uh, of today are calling them snowflakes. You know, they're really pretty, they're light and they're fluffy, but as soon as there's just a tad bit of heat applied, they melt, they go away, you know, marshmallow, pretty and fluffy and sweet and tasty, but you know, but just, just pretty much a pile of mush, good for nothing. And so we're raising a generation. Listen, I've been saying for, for the last 20, 30 years, I've been, well, I've been 30 years in one church and in one community. So I've seen several generations of kids come through here. Right. And I've been telling parents, I've been preaching and teaching, folks, this junk about everybody's a winner and everybody gets a trophy and nobody's a loser and, 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 you know, I, I said, you're killing your kids with that. You've got right. to teach your kids how to win gracefully. You've got to teach them how to lose gracefully. You've got to teach them that some people win and some people lose. You've got to teach them that not everybody gets a trophy. You've got to teach them that life is not fair. Uh, pick yourself up. Keep going. Do with what you can do with God's help and grace and mercy. I mean, we've got to give our kids reality, but we're not. Our, our, our world is dumbing down our children on purpose. And so a lot of these people you see in crying rooms and all that, this is their real first election they've ever been through. And, they, and they're in the college level, and their brains have been filled with mush by liberal professors telling them how evil Donald Trump was and how wonderful and beautiful and lovely Hillary Clinton was. And they just they can't believe that their team lost. They've never right. lost in their life. They've gotten a trophy for everything all of their life. And then this thing happens, and they're, they're going apoplectic. They're going out of their minds. And my heart breaks for them, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was talking, my 28-year-old uh, son has a 20-year-old wife now, and uh, I was talking to her about the election, and, and I I was trying to explain to her, I, I was talking about the economy prior to, 
you know, Obama. And, you know, then I realized, I said, wait a minute, you weren't even in the workforce. And so then she doesn't understand that, that a normal work week was 40 hours a week. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and so these kids, uh, they've got to be educated. But Trump does say that, look, he's going to get rid of Common Core. And so we'll, that'll be a blessing, won't it? Yeah. Well, listen, if Trump does half of what he says he's going to do, it will transform our nation. But I think he's going to do more than half. He says he's going to get rid of Common Core. He says he's going to do away with Obamacare first day. He said he's going to start building the wall. He's going to strengthen the military. He's going to uh, readjust taxes for corporations. Wall Street knows he's going to do that because they're already going crazy over it uh, to the good. Um, he, you know, all of these things, I mean, we could go on and on, but the, he said he was, he looked right at Hillary Clinton on stage. He says, and I'm going to investigate you and put you in jail. <laughs> so, so we, we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll that's see. why they seem to be walking soft around him right now. Oh yeah. Uh, he's the man yeah. with the big stick. And in just a few months, he's going to be the man. I mean, yeah, listen, this birth certificate issue is huge. I just interviewed Mike Zulo uh, for an hour and a half today, live over live oh, stream really? radio. Yeah, do what? I just, I just said, really, I would have liked to heard that. Oh, no, it's, 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 uh, it's, um, archived. Um, I can, yeah, just go to, uh, YouTube. Uh, well, here, do this, go to callgals.com right. Uh, right under the sliders. You'll see a big red icon, uh, that says PNN YouTube. It's red right. YouTube. Okay. Click on that. It'll take you to the latest videos. And one of the very first ones, you'll see it, and it's archived. It's an hour and a half. And I'm telling you, you know, Arpaio just lost this election, so what's going to happen now? They're finished with the investigation. They just wrapped it up a few weeks ago. And now, since Arpaio is going to be out of office in January, I talked to Arpaio on my cell phone today, personally. I, we, I called him and missed him, and he called me back, and we talked for a long time. And the, he's getting ready to bring it all forward. I mean, he's not playing. And you got to remember, Donald Trump and Arpaio are good friends, and Donald Trump is the one who made Obama put that fake birth certificate on the website. Arpaio yeah. endorsed Donald Trump in New Hampshire. He got on an airplane and flew up there and endorsed him. That really helped put Donald Trump on the map. I mean, those guys are thick. And now Arpaio, I mean, Trump is in office. We'll now have a Trump Department of Justice, a Trump FBI, a Trump Congress, <laughs> Trump courts. And now Arpaio is free to take his stuff to, a, to an administration that will go forward with it. And this is all going to happen. I guess it will happen before January, brother. So this, this I'm telling you, you haven't seen the last of what's getting ready to happen, brother, in this nation. I mean, good gosh. I, I believe it. I believe Everything it. that Trump said he's going to do, and then this thing, and so much more, brother. I mean, uh, this wow. is huge. Hey, you know, in my lifetime, I, there has never been a presidential candidate or any politician who ran on the platform that he would appoint Supreme Court justices that would destroy Roe v. Wade, and he would yeah. work to di to dismantle Roe v. Wade. There's never been a president. I, I take that. Yeah, I'm, I got to interrupt you because we're going to go to break. But that is something he. Uh, I but I believe that's because he had people. 
he had evangelical people around him that were ministering to him and changing him. Anyway, give your website, Carl, and we'll come back in three minutes. CarlGallops.com. CarlGallops.com. Okay, folks, we got more from Carl Gallops, and we'll be back in three minutes.
back. This is Pastor Dan Catlin. You're listening to Size Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. And I just want to assure folks that I really believe, just looking at Wall Street and all the things, that everything is going to get better. You just got to hang on, but you got to keep in prayer. You know, um, we've been talking to people about a couple of radio needs because we're trying to make a leap um, into to making some DVDs, you know, or not DVDs, rather, but some videos. In fact, we're going to air our program, you know, as video live, so to speak. Well, anyway, we've been working on that, and we've received some help from a couple of people. We've got a professional um, video camera coming, a really good one, uh, that I'm not sure. I think it's maybe beyond our needs. You know, like my producer was saying, he said, that's something that you could use at a, to film a concert or a show. But anyway, we're going to have that, but we also have a, another top-of-the-line webcam that's coming to us, and we also have a brand-new laptop that will be here tomorrow. We're still waiting on the digital recording soundboard, and we really do need that because it kind of ties everything together. And uh, so, brother, if you're having a problem mailing it, call me and give me an update. Uh, we also, right now, we need to get a flat screen for Skype because we're, I don't know if any of you have been watching Joel Richardson, but he interviews people on Skype, and we intend to do the same thing. That's kind of how we're setting it up. So we're needing a, a big screen for that. And remember, you know, we think, well, why don't you just go out and buy all that stuff? Because, folks, our mission is about helping people and helping Wichita Mission Church. If a donation comes in specific for radio, then we use it for radio. If it comes in um, just general, well, we support the Wichita Mission Church with it and so on and so forth. And so it comes for what ever a person designates it for. And so to do these things, we have to have a specific donation for radio. So pray about that. Thanksgiving, we need sponsors. Pray about a donation for Thanksgiving. It's the biggest day or rather days of the year for the Mission Church. If you're sending a donation for Thanksgiving, again, mark it for Thanksgiving. You can send it in the mail or you can send it online, but just let me know. Radio also needs support, as does the Wichita Mission Church. We both need your support, and both of them are tied hand-in-hand. So if you are mailing a donation for radio, mark it. If you're doing it for Thanksgiving, mark it. But I'd like to have an email, if possible, if you're putting something in the mail, so I know that it's coming in the mail, so I can tell Mom, well, you know, my wife, there's that wonderful train, uh, so I can tell Mom, my wife, how much money she can count on in order to buy what for the people. Anyway, so why all this? Well, we are the last hope for so many, and we're all responsible to care one for another, as we are brothers keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. If you don't wish to help us before, remember, donation for radio airtime, that's what keeps us on the air. You can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find this information at prophecyhour.com. And folks, also, I remind you that we like uh, large print King James Bibles. We give them away a lot. And if you have some, you know, ministry videos or any of those kind of things, books or anything that you've already read and you'd like to donate to the Mission Church, well, those folks, those poor folks over there like to read, too, so consider that. And now we're back with Pastor Carl Gallitz, if he hasn't got on that train and left. No, sir. I'm I'm right here. I heard the train. I hear it every, almost every time I'm on with you, I hear that train come rolling through. I love the sound of that. 
Yeah, it's it's a couple of blocks away, and there's not much I can do about it. Uh, if, if you're outside, we get, when you live in Florence, Kansas, uh, there's only like 500 houses here. And it used to be kind of like a train layaway place, you know, cowboy place. That's how it got started. And, yeah. and uh, we're two blocks from the railroad tracks. And so if you live here and you're outside having a conversation with somebody, you know, and you hear the train coming, you know, you both just naturally stop, you know, and, and look at each other and just kind of wait a second. Because he only blows his one a couple of times, you know. Right. And, uh, but anyway, and so I like it. But, you know, the Father's blessed us. You know, Carl, when I when I left the world, um, I didn't have anything at all whatsoever, except I had the knowledge 28 years ago that I needed to move out of Wichita, Kansas, because I needed to change my life. We moved here. We bought a house for less than $1,500 for back taxes. And now that house, we, we own a, a half a block. And uh, uh, it's not really expensive housing that we have here. But, you know, I rose four children out of it, and I'm raising six grandchildren in this city with more on the way. And so the father has just really blessed me. And uh, uh, I wouldn't trade, you know, this is a place I've tried to leave. This is a place I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you should do is call the train station, find out what their schedule is, and, and change your uh, broadcast around that. Impossible. <laughs> uh, impossible. They come at the top of the hour. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, they come once an hour, and sometimes <laughs> twice an hour. So. Yeah, I, and I was just kidding you, brother. Listen, that train, that, that train uh, fits with where you live perfectly. So anyway, God bless you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, a- amen. So there's just so many blessings that, that can unroll from this presidency. Um, and and don't let me forget, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the presidency, but I finally got your book in the mail, uh, When the Lion Roars. And I don't mean by finally, because it, it did release. Uh, and so I want to talk about this book in a few minutes, but uh, let, let's talk a little more about Trump. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, big thing. Um, you know, you were saying he is the first president that we've ever heard actually utter the words Roe versus Wade would naturally with the what he said was with the Supreme Court justices that he would put in place that it would be. I think he said it would be just natural that um, it would go away. Yeah, uh, I about fell out of my chair. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm telling you, brother, never has any poli- – this is what has upset even people with R's by their names, the, 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 the establishment elite. This is what has upset them. He is a wrecking ball. He says what all of us have wanted a candidate to say. He says what all of us, you and me, have said that we would say if we were running for office – and and but we always laughed and said but we'd probably never get elected if we said it but right. he said it and he got elected by a landslide and and I'm telling you brother the I, I mean I'm 60 years old this is the first candidate in my lifetime that has ever said I will do away with Roe v Wade I will put justices there that will make sure that that goes away I was flabbergasted at but but he, now he's there with a huge mandate yeah. so I say yeah. let's go for it. Amen. And, you know, one of the things that that, uh, I really, to me, um, ever since Reagan, you know, it seems like the the White House has been, you know, just not the elegant place. I'm trying to look for the right words. Not the elegant place, the awe of the place that it should be. 
I think that he's going to bring back to the White House itself, you know, that, that awe and that elegancy and that awe of a presidency. You know what I mean? This guy is the first guy since I was young that I could say, well, Mr. President, and feel good about it. You yep. know, well, I, I love Reagan, though. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, I tell you, no, Ronald Reagan gave you that feeling, and I think Donald Trump will too. And again, you know, we listen, brother, in the final analysis, Trump could turn out to be horrible. I mean, he could turn out to just be, you know, not keep his promises and suck up to all the politicians and get enamored with the power. And I mean, he could lead us into World War III next week. I mean, you know, I mean, those things are all possible. You and I are not saying that we believe he's the savior. But the thing that we have both noticed is the spiritual connections to this thing all the way around. And he supernaturally defeated 70 look who he defeated jeb yeah. bush um uh, 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 marco rubio uh, ted cruz i mean powerhouses um the governor from uh, from from arkansas the, oh help me the uh, the evangelical christian used to be a preacher Oh, oh, you mean uh, Huckabee? Yeah, Mike really like Huckabee Huck- defeated Mike Huckabee. D- you know, I mean, he just waltzed right through them all, and then goes up against Hillary Clinton and all the cheating and lying and scandals and every and and, and brother just walks away with it, and yeah. and and with everything in the world against him. The establishment elite wouldn't support him. Uh, people lied. They trashed him. They accused him of horrendous things. That that girl that accused him of of, of raping her right. comes to, come to find out she had to w- recant the whole story. She admitted she lied. I mean, right. just horrendous. But he walked right through it, brother. And I'm telling you, well, because of all of that, I think he's going to keep a lot of his promises. I think he's God's man for the hour. I just do. Absolutely, because I don't see how anybody should. It it took a special kind of person to be able to walk through that mess because, I mean, really, the only people it seemed like was for him was the people that were going to vote for him, you know. But other than that, I mean, he had the world against him. He had um, the United Nations against him. They they were talking about him. We had uh, people from, I mean, you know, heads of all kinds of different countries talking against him. And then you had the media against him. And then, and look at what all he showed. He showed them some of the media that I thought was, you know, fairly okay. It showed their true colors. And it showed all the globalists. I said, boy, there's no way the globalists are going to waste all this money and time that they have wasted on getting him in power. There's just no way they're going to let him have it. And then he won. Yeah. And that yeah. had to be the hand of God. That's the only way I well, can see it. It was. We were on the precipice. And listen, I want your audience to understand, as my book clearly demonstrates, we are yeah. still living in the middle of the most prophetic, profoundly prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ. We are close to the return of the Lord. Now, how's Donald Trump going to figure in all this? Uh, I, I, listen, I've been telling people, they said, well, why are you going for Donald Trump? I said, because all I'm voting for is some breathing room for the church in these last days. Amen. Some breathing room. We weren't going to get breathing room with Hillary. We were going to be suffocated. And well, and, and, and well, I said, let me I'm, shed you some light on that. 
Because yeah. I, 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 I gave it a lot of thought. Because, you know, as you, it, this is an end-time radio program. I've been saying we're in the time right before Messiah's glorious return, and I still believe that. And here's what I think about Trump. And it's not thus saith the Lord. It's thus saith Pastor Dan, maybe. Okay? But here's what I think. Number one, I don't think he, uh, the world stage is set to where we will go, was ready for World War III and end up in Armageddon. There's some things that needed to be done first. Hillary would have put us in Armageddon, or would have put us in World War III with Russia, and they said it several times. They just said it again after Trump was inaugurated, or not inaugurated, but after he won. And they were welcoming, they were praying for Trump to, to win so that we wouldn't be in World War III. There's that. But I also believe that, that Israel needs, it has to do with Israel. Israel has to be in a certain place of safety when all this goes down. And so Israel has to be blessed again, too. There's only one country in the world that could possibly do that. And it would have to be run by a man of God, the Father, and that's Trump. And so, yes, we still are in the time of the end. Of course we are. And there's some dramatic things happening, just like this book. Now, there you go. Here, Here's the good time to get into the book. Folks, if you want to know what is going on, really take a look at this book. And I, I, I haven't had time to read it all, Carl. I will say I, I did just a little while ago look at this chapter 16 on the blessing, and I read a little bit on that one with George Jetson. Back to you. Yeah. Well, brother, listen, when you finish reading it, I look forward to talking with you again. I'm not inviting myself back on your show. I'm saying just as friends, I'd love to talk to you about it because God is using that book, brother. I, I'm telling you, he has anointed it. When I turned that into my publishers, it was in March of this year. Here it is, November. And as you read it, when you read it from cover to cover, you're going to see God used that thing prophetically. Now, I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't claim to have had any prophetic visions. I was just writing what I thought the Lord was showing me. And, brother, between March and now, things have happened that I only speculated in, on in that book, and, right. and they've already happened, and they're happening. And, I mean, it is coming like a flood. And we are living in some of the most amazing prophetic times. And, and the book is not a hand-wringing book. It's, it doesn't set dates. You know I'm not like that. It's not dogmatic about any kind of eschatology. I don't demand that you have to be pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, anything. I just say, right. look, either we're very close to the rapture of the church or we are very close to some tough times for the church around the world. Now, now it's already being experienced in the Middle East and various places, right. but and we've been targeted right here in America, too. Right. Amen. You know, and that's the thing. If We have right now already, and uh, there's already some preachers that, because their church wouldn't recognize the, the transgender issue, in other places in the country are already in court battles over that. I know. And, and so, you know, had little Miss Hillary um, made it to the presidency, the church would have been forced underground right now, or else preachers would have been arrested. I know. And, brother, please hear my word of caution. I pray to God that Donald Trump will get a vision on this, but even during the election, that was the one area that I was very dis- – he did not take a hardline stance against homosexual marriage. As a matter of fact – he kind of winked at it and said he would support it. Um, 
I, I, we had to wonder if he was being politically correct, if he realized if he didn't say it, he would not win, um, or does he really believe it? Um, can these evangelical pastors uh, sway him? Can his vice president sway him? Um, I'm not saying mistreat homosexuals. I'm not saying we need to ship all homosexuals. I, no, no. I, I have people that are homosexual in my life, in my family, and extended family, and friends. And right. I've been in one community for 30 years, brother. I've ministered deeply into the lives of families and individual people who are homosexuals, whom I care deeply about. But the radical homosexual agenda is what was targeting the church and getting ready to drive it underground, which is what they want. The radical agenda does. And I know, listen, I've got people that, I wish I could tell your audience who, so it doesn't sound like I'm just making this up, but friends, dear friends of mine who are homosexuals, and they know where I stand on this, and I'm always speaking biblical truth to them, but they are opposed to the radical homosexual agenda. They're embarrassed by it. And and they're embarrassed by the targeting of Christians, you know, because they tell me, they say, you know, the thing that we've wanted all of this time was to be some, some equality and some free voice. And, and now we're trying to, that radical agenda is trying to take it away from the Christians, the, the only people who have really cared enough about us to tell us what they believe uh, right. without killing us. And, you know, and they're right. And so, so I don't know. I mean, Trump yeah, may not. I don't know what's going to happen, brother. We listen. This story is not over. We're gonna. All I know is we bought ourselves a little breathing room from Hillary Clinton. Right. <laughs> you know. We'll uh, see. That, I believe we bought breathing room from World War Three. Yeah, actually, we did. Uh, right. That would have been so evil. Um, the things that she wanted. I mean, I could just look at her, Carl. I could. Look at her, and and to me, it seemed like that she she was talking from something else. In other words, you know, I'm not saying that she is possessed, but you know, she didn't look right. Let's just say that at all whatsoever. And the things that she said, like saying Christians are going to have to change their beliefs. Yep. Really, yep. what right does anybody have in this country to tell us? Yeah, that we need to change her belief. I would believe that she was relatively sincere about that if she had also said Muslims are going to have to change their beliefs because Muslims are the ones that push homosexuals off rooftops, not Christians. Muslims right. are the ones that behead homosexuals, not Christians. Muslims are the ones that kill their sons and daughters for being involved with the homosexual, not the, the evangelical Christian community. But you see, that radical homosexual agenda has been being used to target Christians, not Muslims, not Buddhists, not Hindus, not Christians, brother, Christians in America. That's the foundational strength of our nation, and they were looking, they're looking for every way they can to bring down that strength, and one of the ways was the radical gay agenda, and, yeah. and so we'll see where that's going to go. Yeah, amen, uh, absolutely. But and that's why it's so I, I really believe your your book now it's just come out and I want you and of course I want you to tell us how it's done but here's my emphasis on this too to folks no folks I haven't read it and I have but I have read two chapters in it and I know the way Carl writes that it's it's really good for you but what's really good for you is this will keep you from going to sleep in this time 
it, look, if we have some good things coming from Trump, you might say, well, okay, all that's over with. No, it isn't. You need some proof. And this is uh, what you would call proof in my eyes. Back to you, Carl. Well, Talk thank you. Me. No, I wrote it. It's, 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 there's 34 chapters, but there's only like six or seven pages per chapter, so you can read each chapter in about 10 minutes. It's, it's easy. I mean, each chapter could be used as a Bible study lesson, as a Sunday school lesson, a sermon. I mean, this is written for pastors, for Christians, for Bible study groups. It's written for people who aren't even believers necessarily. They just want to kind of make heads or tails of what's happening in the world and does it line up with any kind of prophecy somewhere. Um, and it's well, there are 34 pages of endnotes so that you can go back and check what I say against the resources. And the resources that I use are mainstream media resources and scientific sites and technology sites and military sites and history sites. I do a lot of biblical word study. And so uh, it's written for pastors to get a hold of and start preaching and teaching through it. Because you don't have to worry about eschatology and, well, you know, did you write it for this little niche of people or that little niche? No, I wrote it for the church to help yeah. wake up the church. Pastors, teachers, preachers, people in the pew, that's what this book is written for. Listen, Joseph Farah, who's the president of the company, he wrote the forward. Pat Boone has endorsed it hugely. Uh, Pat Boone called me up when he got the first copy of it and said, can I put my name on this? I said, yeah, brother. Um, Joel Richardson. Yeah, Joel Richardson. I remember when I was a kid, come on, he, he, you know, he sang and, and then, but I, you know, one of his great movies, you know, was of David Wilkerson, but, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, Pat Moon, that's, that's neat. Yeah, Joel Richardson has endorsed it, and Jim Baker has endorsed it, and Zev Parat, and and, and, and Mark Biltz, and Tom Horn, and I mean, just go down the list of these amazing people, uh, best-selling authors, and and, and, and like Pat Boone is known internationally, and you you know, this is just amazing, brother, and God is using it. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Oh, yeah, there's not a problem. You, you can talk about it all you want. But, yeah, uh, right on the front cover, in fact, is George, uh, Joel Richardson's. He says, Carl Gallup's, Gallup's prophetic uh, detective work will stroke the fire of urgency. Yeah. And that's right. And and that's what you need. We need to not lose that urgency because, like I say, if we get into this night, if say this is a reprieve from evil for the United States. It's not time for the church to go back to sleep if they're even awake after they did after 9-11, you know. But they need to be up praying. They need to get close to the Father, and they need to, and you know, even if it wasn't this time, they need to stand up on these issues that we're talking about. Otherwise, uh, we could, you, the left just didn't, you know, go away. They're just backed up and replanning on their next attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and that's what I, that's one of my greatest fears about a Trump presidency. People were asking me before the election, you know, if he wins, what are the pros and the cons? I, I said, I can tell you one of the disadvantages right now. There's a great possibility that the church will go to sleep. You know, it's kind of like, listen, brother, you and I lived through uh, the Gulf War and 9-11, and I was a pastor, and I saw it happen. I saw the Gulf War. People flocked to the church. People flocked for counseling. People were weeping and wailing. And the president was coming on TV saying we could lose tens of thousands of 
troops. And uh, my church demanded that I bring a TV set into the sanctuary on that Wednesday night when we invaded. I mean, they didn't want to miss yeah. a thing. They were just they were just freaking out. Right. And then a hundred days later, when we win so handily. I didn't, uh, about half the people I didn't see anymore. It was like, okay, we're fine now. We don't need God anymore. And then along comes 9-11, 10 years later, same thing, weeping and wailing, people terrified. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world. And come running to church and come running for counseling. And people, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. And within a few months, we're over in Iraq, and we're bombing, and we're taking retribution. And everybody says, okay, all's right with the world. Everything's fine. And so here we are again, except I think the difference is we came so edged to the precipice right here on our own soil these last eight years of watching everything we hold dear being flushed down the toilet before our eyes. The church came alive in this election, and I pray that the church stays awake and doesn't give up because there are powers out there that want to destroy this nation. Well, amen. And there's so much other they need to fight about, but it ain't being talked about, the predominance of witchcraft going all over the country. You can see it in everything, whether it's witchcraft, Satan worship, possessions. The Catholic Church is screaming about how many possessions they are. And there is some, there's so much demonic out there. There is so much work to be done. And it isn't time for anybody to be asleep. If you are a Christian, Period. If you're a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you need to be in this battle. And that's uh, so, Carl, give them your website. We're going to have to go. And yes, I'm going to read this book cover to cover probably over the weekend. Um, and then we're going to talk about all of it, or a lot of it. Well, great. Well, brother, if you want me back on after you've read it, please give me a call because you're going to discover there's about 20 to 25 four topics in there that you're going to want to discuss. <laughs> so we're going to have a good time. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been looking for, I've been waiting on the book. It just came right at election time. And I just, you know, I couldn't get my head off in it, off of what was going on. Uh, otherwise I would already read it. I'm, I'm read things pretty quickly. I hear you, uh, well, brother. Thank you so much. Anyway, give them your website and, and uh, say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. It's gallops.com. gallops.com. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> God Love bless you, you brother. God bless you. See you later. Well, folks, um, pray about it. And I have looked through the book. It's a good book. Check it out. But pray about a sacrificial donation for the Wichita Mission Church. We we need to do Thanksgiving right. And also, we need to raise, there's some things that we need to raise for radio. Pray about those things. Share this program with two or three other people. But if you can, make a PayPal donation tonight. We could sure use it. But really, you must remember, there is only one God. He is your father. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua, HaMashiach. He gave his life for repented sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way to the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Lord our God, dear Father, King of the universe, ask in Yeshua, HaMashiach's name, that, Father, you would bless and keep them, and that your face would shine upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. 
To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch.
Talk Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Oh, thanks for joining us on Herb Talk and uh, the American Voice Radio Network, Magical Engineer. Frank and I have a great show, and I hope we're an informative distraction from everything that's going on politically today. Uh, I know people are, are watching and waiting. Some people may be holding their breath. So, uh, but, you know, just relax. Enjoy the show. We got some great information for you. Um, polls aren't closed if you're still out there voting. So um, we got time. So let's just make the best of it and um, try not to think too much about all that stress that you've been endure- enduring this whole process of this political campaign has been stressful. All right. We are going to be talking about uh, frequent fevers and what that may mean because I got a call about that, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna check that out. Also, um, we may touch on our thyroid topic we didn't finish and our checkup issue. So we got lots to talk about, and we have a quack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform. I lift them up in prayer. I'm praying for this nation. I'm praying for God's hand beyond this nation to guide us, guide the people, wisdom and discernment, have some of that. I did bring my devotional, and for November 8th, it says, this is also, uh, let's see, this is from Isaiah 41, Psalms 102, and Acts 17. It goes like this, learn to appreciate difficult days. Be stimulated by the challenges you encounter along your way. As you journey through rough terrain with me, gain confidence from your knowledge that together we can handle anything. This knowledge is comprised of three parts, your relationship with me, promises in the Bible, and past experiences of coping successfully during hard times. Look back on your life and see how I've helped you through difficult days. And if you're tempted to think, yeah, but that was then and this is now, remember who I am. Although you and your circumstances may change dramatically, I remain the same throughout time and eternity. This is the basis of your confidence. In my presence, you live and move and have your being. Amen to that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We also know God can't lie, and his will will be done. So uh, let's just uh, trust in the Lord and uh Seek his face and mind the time and find the way through the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's the way. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. All righty, first up in the quacker, let's see. Oh, my goodness. They got some cases of a new superbug and spotted in the United States drug-resistant fungus. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, tonight. Yes, we are. Uh, Five months after federal health officials asked hospitals and physicians to be on the lookout for an off 